Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast where sound effects occur occasionally. There they go. Okay, uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic. I write for Slash Film. And with me, as always, is my more intelligent and uh, far more cogent co-host, William. Why don't you introduce yourself? My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for The Rap and The Film Verdict, and I write for Slash Film as well. And Whitney is a liar, and everybody calls me Bibbs. I'm not more intelligent than you. It's a oh. lateral move at best. <laughs> Fine. The, my uh, laterally intelligent co-host, William I, Bibiani. I think we've been doing this for so long that like together mm. that you kind of know what I know and vice versa. Like yeah, if there's, if we, there's anyone who's like uh, weirdly evenly matched <laughs> in terms of what they know about movies, it's well, probably uh, us. Our listeners can't see us right now, but so they can't see the, the helmets we're wearing with the big tubes connecting yes. the two helmets to each other and the, the gray matter that's sort of slosh, sloshing about between the two of them. Gross. That, that's <laughs> <laughs> That's the flavor of our discourse. What are we reviewing this week, William? Uh, this week, you got a little catching up to do. You went out of town. I so, did. I was on vacation. And I'm very, very happy for you. Uh, but uh, we got a little catching up to do. So we're reviewing a couple of movies from last weekend and a Wedley Swim movie from this weekend. Uh, we're reviewing uh, Disney's Haunted Mansion. Not the Eddie Murphy one, the new one. Uh, the A24 horror movie Talk to Me. The Netflix sci-fi comedy They Cloned Tyrone. And the second animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. A second theatrically released Ninja Turtles animated movie, because there have been, there have been a couple based on the animated programs. Uh, okay, to be fair, I'm not 100% along, yeah. on that, because I fell out of the animated shows for a while. I thought the animated, those animated movies were like sort of compilations of multi-part TV episodes. I could be wrong. But yes, let's, let's hedge our bets. Theatrically released animated movie. Um, Let's get started with a film that I want to start with now because it came out over a week ago and Mm -hmm. it is rapidly fading from my memory. (laughs) Uh, We got to get to it. You're going to forget it by the end of this podcast. Like it's, so we have to talk about it just to dredge it up. I wouldn't even mind. Uh, It's uh, Disney's remake of sorts of Haunted Mansion. Well, it's, it's the third film Mm -hmm. that they've tried to uh, extrapolate out of Haunted Mansion. Haunted Uh, Mansion is one of, it's it's one of the best rides at Disneyland. If I'm being perfectly frank. It's the only reason to go. (laughs) Perfectly frank. Uh, Because Disneyland is kind of like hell. Yeah. The thrill rides in it. Um, There's some good stuff at Disneyland. A lot of talented people have worked at Disneyland and mm -hmm. created some cool rides and experiences and themed entertainment. Uh, The Haunted Mansion was not one of the first uh, uh, attractions that wasn't actually at Disneyland when it opened, but it mm. was in the works pretty much from the beginning. Uh, it didn't get completed until after Walt Disney died. Mm. And it's my understanding that there was always kind of a push and pull on that ride between people who wanted to make it scary mm. and people who wanted to make it funny. All right. And I think the ride that we got has an okay balance. I think it's mm. kind of scary if you're a little kid. But if you're not, it's you know, just it, kind of pleasantly spooky. Uh, well, uh, pleasantly spooky is 
scary as well. Perfectly um, fine. Yeah, Perfectly I, fine. I, I, there's some really good effects in it. They mm. use these sort of like mirrors and and mm. dummies to make it look like the ghosts are, are translucent. Early hologram uh, effects. They still they look good. They still look good to this day. This and and cool, you know man. they're of course always you know improving mm. it. Um, there's a, a bit in the Haunted Mansion ride where you look down a hallway and you see the floating candelabra. That's mm-hmm. always oh, that kind of scary. Yeah. There was a bit where you go down a hallway and the doors are all moving on their own. Like the door knockers mm. are moving on their own. The door handles are moving on their own. Yeah. And the one that scared me is one is like warping and bulging out at you. Oh, I forgot about it. that one. That, was good. that part scares me. The one that the one that freaked me out. I remember the. I'll never forget the first time I went out of the Haunted Mansion ride. And I haven't been to Disneyland. I've been to Disney World once in the last 20 years. I haven't been to Disneyland in the last 20 years. Okay. Um, it's been a while for me, too. Yeah, and I've, I've actually... Which means I've actually never seen the Nightmare Before Christmas um, uh, cosmetic Vari- makeover, yeah, yeah. which they put together in the holiday season every year. And I, I want to go, because I like that movie, and I've never seen it. But one of these days, I will. Um, anyway, I remember going to the Haunted Mansion... And it was always one of my favorite rides at Disneyland because it was kind of dark. Yeah. I also like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride because you actually you got go sent to, to hell. You go to hell at the end. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> um, but uh, there's one of the first things in the ride is you're all standing in like a giant kind of ballroom kind of mm-hmm. place, and then you see all these paintings, and the, the the ceiling goes way up, and then is are the paintings growing or are you sinking into the ground? And oh. you realize all the paintings are more sinister than you realize, and then the spooky voice says. Uh, uh, this uh, this room has no, no win- windows, no, no windows and, and no, no doors. doors. And so I remember thinking to myself, you this chilling challenge to find a way out. That scared <laughs> the crap out of me when I was a kid because uh, I was like, "Oh shit, it's all up to me." <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like well, the, six. The part that scared me was uh, to find a way out. Ah, ha, ha. And then he says, you know, Paul Freeze, good, wonderful voice. Uh, wonderful, has a, of deep, course. Sonorous voice. There's always my way. And then lightning strikes, the ceiling becomes transparent, mm-hmm. and you see a rotting corpse hanging by yeah. its neck. Like, yeah. it's pretty grim stuff. That's really grim for, and for Disneyland, yeah. I, I thought it was like tradition that you scream at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Because the first time I went on the ride, everybody screamed when that happened. I wasn't sure if it was, like, for fun or people were actually scared, whatever it was. Might have been people people doing for the first time, yeah. So every time I I went on the Haunted Mansion thereafter, I screamed right at that point. Did I get the room up? He was like, yay! Boo! We're all scared! It's kind of like a party. It's it's long been one of my favorite parts of Disneyland. And uh, I... Disney has uh, a now a habit of mm. try- trying, trying, mm. trying uh, with one success mm. to adapt all of their uh, rides and attractions into feature films. Yeah, yeah, they've uh, done. They, um, they did Mission to Mars, well, yes, first, first which people did, forget was a Disney movie. Like that yeah. was a Disney ride movie. People totally. It's a De Palma never, film. Nobody weird. talks about uh, that. So uh, actually, the first one was Tower of Terror, which was a TV movie, but yeah. it, it had Kirsten Dunst and Steve Gutenberg mm. in it back when that meant something for Steve Gutenberg. So like that's. That's pretty good for a TV yeah. movie. And we and then, we yeah. actually watched that once, and it's okay. It's okay. For a TV... It's, it's better than Mission, Mission to Mars. For like, for, like, a TV Halloween special kind mm-hmm. of thing, like, on the wonderful world of Disney, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's not amazing, but it's fine. Um, they, uh, they did Country Bears, which I've actually never seen. 
Haven't seen it either. Uh, let's. I've see. heard nothing but negative things about Country Bears. <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, there's a few more actually. Hold on. Let me. Let me I know I'm forgetting something. Uh, movies based. On <laughs> well, then right. they did. Uh, most famously, they did Pirates of the Caribbean, which right. That what, first movie was a big hit, and they tried. They and did, it's a good movie. That first one. I like that first it, one. It's it's enjoyable. It's, yeah. it, it's a little, it's, a little long, but no, it, it works. No classic. It's bloated. It's you yeah. know kind of sloppily edited, but perfectly uh, entertaining. Okay, and the ones we were forgetting mm. were Tomorrowland. Well, we have a, a, I was going to get to that one, but yeah. yeah, Tomorrowland, which I actually there's a lot I like about Tomorrowland. I think the production design is really wonderful in mm. Tomorrowland. It's got a lot of cool, like sort of sci-fi ideas in it, and there's some really good filmmaking involved. Mm. Uh, as with a lot of Brad Bird things, the message gets a little wonky. It, it does have this weird sort of like exceptionalist message, which you. Which you, I think he was trying not to have, but he ended up having ended up it having anyway. Because Brad Bird was accused of that with um, the Incredibles. The Incredibles, yeah. yeah it's like, this sort of uh, this superheroes really are of, special. Yeah. Like it's kind of Randian exceptional I, being I don't kind think of we philosophy. Should be phrasing it that way, at the very least. Yeah, so yeah, uh, there was Tomorrowland. Yeah, uh, yeah there was, and then there, and was, then there was Haunted Mansion uh, uh, and uh, Jungle Cruise. That's right. Which came movies. out uh, during uh, during the, the pandemic, pandemic and uh, lost which, a ton of money, but they're making a sequel anyway. They're making a sequel to that. Yeah, there's going to be a, a Jungle Cruise too. Who cares? Um, nobody cares. It, it was it was vapor. Like it's you like know what? It, it, look look at the Rock's filmography. How much of it isn't vapor? Okay, the vast yeah. and he's made a lot of movies. By the way, I've actually watched mm. every single movie the Rock has ever made for an article. Uh-huh. maybe like, and I'm inc- if you include all the Fast and Furious movies as kind of one entity. Uh-huh. It's like 10 good ones. <laughs> and he's made over 40. It's not mm. the greatest track record. Which is bizarre because he's still this, like, yeah. considered this, like, peerless well, movie star. People go and see yeah, him. Yeah. And, but, you know, they're, if and and I feel like you put him in enough of a, like, a generic but well-constructed movie. Like, Skyscraper is fun. Skyscraper to is it, totally but fine. It's a very entertaining movie. Yeah. Uh, San Andreas, I, uh, San Andreas is, is right, not as good, yeah. but it's watchable. It's a pre- it was pretty good in the theater because there was a lot of mm. like you know big set dressing and stuff. Also, has uh, uh, Alexandra Daddario, and she's yeah. she's like one of my fake girlfriends. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, but um, yeah, no, a lot of his stuff is just sort of mm. oh yeah, he he was in Game Plan. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway. ju- yeah, so he's in Jungle Cruise, which. Look, it, pi- it, Pirates, it's Pirates, of the, Pirates, it's, it's of the Caribbean Pirates. like yeah. hurt Disney so bad because it's like yeah. we we finally did it. We did something that was like adventure mm-hmm. action movie, and, and and they just and kids liked it, and kids liked it. Yeah. And it was a big success. So we just have to do whatever we can to repeat that. Uh-huh. Uh, Enter Lone Ranger. They tried uh-huh. to do it with the Cowboys. It didn't mm-hmm. work. That was a big bomb. Got to do with John uh, Carter. John to some Carter extent. was yeah. Yeah, kind of similar vibe. That one big one of the biggest bombs of all time, from what mm-hmm. I understand. Not a bad movie though. You know, they like they kept movie. making all of those overblown sequels. Not yeah. uh, to Pirates. None of the sequels are good. Uh, some people, some of them are better than others, but the last like two or three have been pretty crap. How many have there been? Five, I think. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think five. five. There have been five. There, okay, and, yeah, and the last two were completely yeah. forgettable in every conceivable mm. way. I didn't even and see that the third one. The, the third one has some fun. Has I will give the third one this. And I, what is the third one? Is it um, At World's End? Is the no, no. At World's End is the, is the fourth one. No, wait. The, yeah, it's the fourth one. one. Is the no, third the third. One. No, it goes. It goes. Curse the Black Pearl. Uh, it goes Dead Man's Dead Man's Chest. Chest. Oh no, it is right. It is at, at World's, World's End. End. I was thinking of On Stranger Tides. On Stranger Tides, then, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Those okay. are the five Pirates movies. I looked it up I, recently, so it's in my brain. If you think about it, a lot of those titles, you could switch them up and they'd be the same movie. Um, yeah, anyway, um, At World's End has some uh, really enjoyably weird imagery in it. 
Okay. I'll give them that. They, they, they threw some really cool things I haven't seen in a movie before. Mm-hmm. The movie itself, I remember two scenes. <laughs> the actual scenes, I don't have yeah, no idea how that movie got to be as long as it did. I remember two things happening in it, but they neat, They but, looked neat. But you, you go through the, the story beats of Jungle yeah. Cruise and the character types in Jungle Cruise, and it's, it's almost parallel to pirate very eerily uh, similar yeah and yeah and they made they've made three uh haunted mansion movies there was one in 2003 mm-hmm. which was uh, eddie murphy was tim story did that one no 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 no. it was um some rob minkoff rob minkoff some hollywood pack and uh <laughs> rob minkoff sure i will have you know de- he's a decent fellow he directed um, he directed uh he co-directed the lion king the original one the good one oh, okay uh he also directed Stuart little which is pretty good all right. Yeah, right. he directed uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, which I quite like. That's a sweet movie. Yeah, and uh, and some junk as well. Mm. He did uh, uh, the Forbidden Kingdom, which, considering the cast, is a big mm. disappointment. He la- uh, last year he did Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, which yeah, that came yeah. around with nobody re- noticing. Remember that. Yeah. No, you don't. Well, I, I do because I'm a film critic, but yeah. I, I didn't even see it. I just paid attention. Yeah. He also did uh, some of the Roger Rabbit shorts. He worked on Roller Coaster Rabbit. Oh, those were fun. Uh, All right, and, so uh, and Tummy Trouble. I, I, maybe I was a little little harsh. To He's, done Minkoff, stuff, but, He's done good stuff. He's done good. I will give Rob Minkoff credit. He's the Haunted Mansion is not one of them. I no, think, it's a bad uh, movie. It's it's a bad movie. It's one. Yeah. You you talked about how they tried to make the ride Haunted Mansion. Uh, the sort of split between spooky and silly, and yeah. they feel I feel like that was what they were torn between with these movies as well. Well, uh, in that one, they definitely chose silly. They tried to make it a comedy film, and they tried to incorporate a lot of the iconography from the bride and a lot of the dialogue from the ride. Uh, Madame Leota, the head in the crystal ball, uh, was played by Jennifer Tilly. If nothing, I'm telling you something. That's the only thing in that movie that I remember thinking nailed it. Yeah, was Jennifer Madame Leota is a floating head of a spirit medium. She now lives in a crystal ball. Uh, she's one of the most iconic characters from the ride. There's actually quite a bit of mythology in the ride if you want to look it up. Like different ghosts have different mm-hmm. backstories and things, and some of them are really cool. Um, Jennifer Tilly is Madame Leota makes that movie. <laughs> she's really really fun in that movie. It's mm-hmm. great spot on casting. But, they, but it rushes through all of the oh, jokes. And it's, it's all these shrill. Stupid. Yeah, it's really it's like just, a lot of yelling. It's just Eddie Murphy um, screaming, honestly. Yeah, like, it's not I mean, even funny most of okay. the time. Uh, yeah. Stick a pin in all of those criticisms and, and carry, we'll, them we'll over, carry them over a we'll little be, bit. But, we'll be back. Then, but they, then, then a couple uh, years ago, they did the Haunted Mansion Muppets uh, Muppet, TV movie. Muppet Treasure, or Muppet Treasure, Muppet, Muppet Haunted Mansion. And, yeah, uh, which was a straight-to-Disney-plus affair. And um, the idea okay. was, uh, it's all right. Uh, yeah, it's th- there's stuff I like in it. I like, um, was it um, Taraji P Henson? Taraji was, P Henson yeah, was the ghost. Played she the, was really good. One of the ghosts in the haunted mansion was a woman who like murdered all of her husbands, and Taraji mm. P Henson plays that character, and she's trying to, I believe, she's trying to seduce Pepe the Prawn into well, marrying it, her so he Pepe could be her next Gonzo? I think it was Pepe that she was trying to marry. Okay, uh, and, and that's just inherently funny. I'm gonna that's, just, the, that's yeah. genuinely funny. Uh, they were wise to make it about Gonzo and Pepe. I'm still mad that it's not Rizzo. What happened to Rizzo? Gonzo mm. and Rizzo were perfect. Pepe is good, but Pepe is like Pepe kinda, it's, it's like the Shemp. Like he's still <laughs> he's they're still good shorts, but where's Mo? Here, here, you know? Yeah. So uh, Rizzo Rizzo is like I guess Rizzo's like Groucho. I'd say Gonzo is more like Zeppo. Like he's he's the straight man. Oh, I would say Gonzo is Harpo because you love him. Okay, so Gonzo's Harpo. Yeah. Rizzo, Rizzo's I would say, definitely Groucho. No, I'd say Rizzo is... I, I, if it were me, I would say Rizzo is Chico. Because okay, he's very down say, to earth. I was going to say Pepe is Chico, but... Because mm. he, he's kind of like... No, because Pepe's the amorous one. And oh, that so was always Groucho. Be, 
Well, Zeppo was the amorous one. Groucho was Groucho. Oh, I suppose so. You know what? It's not a perfect one-to-one comparison between the Marx Brothers. We're probably I was, try- I was trying, I, trying to carry it into fun I, territory, I, but it's, it's not working. I'm not saying it's not fun. Uh, I'm just saying there's probably a more accurate thing we could do. Yeah, I think they're all. I think what they're always trying to do is um, one of them is Lou Costello. Like, oh, one of yeah. them is the wacky, weird one, and it's mm. usually Pepe or Rizzo, and they're yeah. the ones who, like, get into trouble, and Gonzo's trying mm. to help them out. Um, mm. In any case... It, it, uh, feels, it feels so weird. What, now that our friend is dead? Yeah. That and my pants are filled with starfish. <laughs> you and your hobbies! <laughs> um, Treasure Island, I love that movie. I know. Uh, anyway, that that movie, it's okay. It's it's not great. It's better than the, Rob, uh, than the uh, Eddie Murphy movie, but it's... Not amazing. Yeah. It, it feels cheap, and it is cheap. Uh, and now we have a new Haunted Mansion. This one's directed by Justin Simeon, uh, who's probably best known for directing Dear White People. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a horror movie called Hair, which I heard was good, but I actually missed that one. Um, it was and, called B- Bad Hair. Oh, it was a Bad Hair. My bad bad. Hair. You're right. That's totally on me. My apologies. Um, and yeah, this is... I, again, this is another one where they're trying to balance the comedy and the scares... I think they're trying to craft a more... It's still production designed out the wazoo, but it's a lot less cartoony. It looks like any individual shot of the house would be in a, quote, real horror movie. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the plot is uh, Lakeith Stanfield plays a guy who uh, was in love with a woman who did ghost tours in New Orleans. She died. And he has been trying to find her ghost ever since. And it's been a few years, and he's kind of given up the ghost, if you will. Um, he's getting very bitter. That's all in the first five minutes. That's all the stuff. It's all in the first five minutes. Uh, meanwhile, Rosario Dawson uh, is uh, uh, a single mom and her son, and she have just bought uh, a big dilapidated mansion on the outskirts of New Orleans. Uh, I have no idea where they got the money. Uh, and uh, they well, she and she keeps paying people. Like she, yeah. she just should have said, "Where do you get all this money?" She, she just say, "Up oh, Bitcoin." Like whatever. Something. Like, I would have yeah. been nice to like somehow justify how she has this much money because I don't know anyone who does. It's a little alienating. Because um, like, what, what, what does she do? Mm-hmm. How, how do you? How are you this comfortable in this economy? I don't yeah, understand. They, they buy this gigantic yeah. mansion uh, yeah. because um, the ride mm-hmm. is in like the New Orleans quarter, like. New Orleans land at Disneyland. Yeah. The movies are usually, the movies are all set in New Orleans, which is a great place for it, which which is a beautiful town. It's a great place. A lot of great history. Um, I love New Orleans. It's the best. What Um, what I appreciate is that all of the haunted mansion films to date have had predominantly black casts. Yep. Uh, just, uh, trying to tap into the trauma of the South. Yeah. And, well, where do you go with trauma in the South? Right. There's the, uh, this movie there's, opens with like there's like a, a monologue or a voiceover at the beginning uh, of uh, someone saying that like you know basically pointing out that like one of the things New Orleans is really famous for is funeral processions that are like parades, mm. uh, where there's kind of this ironic juxtaposition between sadness and celebration. Mm. Uh, and that's basically the movie calling it shot. That's what we're going for here yeah. today, folks. We're going to try to take the sadness seriously. But we're also going to be a fun time. Uh-huh. And that's a tough bill of goods to sell. They, they could have just made a horror movie. 
yeah, but they, they but they didn't. No. Uh, so yeah, Rosario Dawson moves into uh, the haunted mansion. It is haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you step into the haunted mansion, the ghosts follow you home, and a ghost may follow you home. Which at um, first, I thought was really clever because again, at the end of a haunted mansion ride. You, you get to look in a mirror and you see that there's a ghost riding in the, the ride with you. Ghost, yeah. And the idea is the ghost is going to follow you home. And it's like, oh, how scary. And so that's how they answer the age-old question of a haunted house movie. Why are you staying in the house? Uh-huh. My favorite answer to that, uh, there's two good answers to that I've seen in movies. One, they kidnapped our daughter. That's from Poltergeist. Yeah. Brilliant. It works. The, the other great one is from The Conjuring, which is, we spent all our money on this house. We can't even afford a hotel. Right. Which is perfectly bad. They actually did the... It it was one of those horrible Wans spoofs movies. I think it was just called A Haunted House. Yeah. uh, Where, yeah, that was the the joke. It's like, they see the ghost, nope, we're going out, and they drive away, and then they immediately drive back, and they're like, I mean, equity. Like, like, (laughs) it's like the only funny joke in Uh, that movie. There's one funny joke in that movie besides that, where uh, they realize that they're like the negative energy. uh, Like, the ghosts are like... They have to ignore the ghosts. The ghosts are, in in a lot of horror movies, are sort of a metaphor for the personal strife of the characters living in the house. And they realize that, and so they just say, we're just not going to fight. We're going to be very, very peaceful. And it's just them having a very quiet morning, reading the paper, eating their eggs. The drawer opens on its own, and Mm. they just sort of casually push it shut and keep on eating. And then just the ghosts start getting more and more restless until they finally, like, shake the whole house like it's an earthquake and they don't react and Marlon Wayne's is like pass the salt yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny two jokes two jokes two good that, jokes in the, the whole movie the whole damn movie uh, uh, and it's still better than a haunted house uh, too uh, <laughs> and I'll say that um, that's a better um, joke hit ratio than this movie oh uh, I, I, look here I'll, mm, I'll, I'll, I think it's better than that uh, but yeah, the ghosts follow him, uh, mm. him home. Uh, he's, well, he, okay, we we skipped also skipped over a character. Yeah. She, uh, she hires a couple of people to investigate yeah, yeah. the ghost. She hires a priest played by Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson hires Lakeith Stanfield because he's got a scientific background. Uh, and what they both discover very quickly is that the ghosts will follow them back too. Uh, th- when you leave the house and you stay out, you stay out for too long. The ghosts start haunting you and telling you to come back, and they start like you know, yeah. throwing spears at your head and shit. Um, so, okay, the ghosts make you come back. Makes a lot of sense. That's a good justification for that. What they also discover as they bring in more people, Tiffany Haddish plays a spirit medium, Danny DeVito plays a historian, more and more people keep coming to the house and basically getting trapped there. Uh, what they also discover is that the ghosts are themselves being haunted. There is so, there's 999 ghosts in the building, and one of them scares the other 998. Mm. It's the famous hat box ghost. Uh, Which uh, was a ghost that wasn't on the ride for a long time. It, mm. it, it was put in the ride. Uh, the history of this Catbox ghost was they put it on the ride and they couldn't get this special effect to work. Mm. The idea was they were going to use lighting on a like sort of a glow-in-the-dark man, uh, mm. mannequin in a dark room. So it like leans forward and it's holding a hat box. Mm-hmm. And then its head vanishes. Mm-hmm. And then the head was going to appear in the hat box. Right. That, that was the effect of the, Great the hat idea. box Great idea. Very ghost. scary. And they, no, no matter what they did, they couldn't get this effect to work. So they took the ghost out of the ride for decades. Mm. Uh, and that's when, like, the Disneyland nerds started to hear about it. Because they they found these, like, work orders from back in 1960. Yeah, there's about a lot the of history of thing. about that stuff. So know. they knew about that this thing existed, but they never saw it on the ride. So it's mm. myth began to grow. So the Hatbox ghost became this, like, kind of important figure 
that's not on the ride. I think that's fun, though. I'm, yeah. I'm okay so, with that kind so of the, history. The, they know? took this kind of weird, obscure piece of history and made that the villain of this movie. That's kind of cute. That is cute. Uh, so the Hatbox Ghost is not just scaring the humans, it's scaring all the other ghosts. That's a fun idea. And uh, it turns out that much like the movie, or rather the remake of 13 Ghosts, the Hatbox Ghost is killing people who are in the house. They're collecting ghosts. And if he can hit 1,000 ghosts, the Hatbox Ghost can be freed, which ruins that plot point about how they're hitchhiking ghosts, because why is the Hatbox Ghost the only one who can't do that? They never even address that in the slightest way. It's not like, oh, he's been cursed to stay in that. Nope. He's just like all the other ghosts. Like when they, and it's it's also established when the ghost leaves to haunt you at your home, Mm -hmm. They're in that place. They're like manipulating the things in the yeah. home. Uh, so why do they want to go like, back like, if they hate the, yeah. they hate it there? This, this yeah, all Lake, falls Lake apart. Lakeith Stanfield uh, gets followed home by the, the the ghost from the pirate ship in yeah. the uh, in the painting I think it's the, on the, I think it's the mariner and, or something. They yeah, call the mariner, yeah. the mariner ghost, and so he yeah. leaves like wet footprints, but you can't see the ghost, and like wants yeah. to watch fishing programs. Um, Uh, (laughs) these are the jokes these are the jokes so uh, they end up growing the team so they can get like uh, mediums and exorcists and Mm. other ways of investigating what's going on Mm. Uh, Danny DeVito is the uh, historian who knows about the history of the building and he's Uh, got a heart condition and they're constantly afraid mm. he's going to be the 1000th ghost and and I'm worried about Danny DeVito too because he's running around doing this hyperactive movie the guy's like 83 or something he's (laughs) He's up there. Is he really uh, little? He's pretty uh, old. He's uh, got. A, he's got. He's older than he looks. He's I'll got say one that. of the. Well, he's he's looked old for a while. He's just one of those actors who like never really looked young. Yeah. Um. He's got. Uh, uh, apologies. He's seventy eight. <laughs> that's he's still not, uh, that's still quite old. But uh, and he's spry for it and good for him. Yeah. But um, a talented actor, wonderful director. I love Danny DeVito pieces. Um, mm. he's got for my money the funniest line in the whole movie. And it's the ghosts are attacking him, and he's floating around, and he yells, "I'm too old to die." <laughs> that, that, that's and a I was line, like, "That's yeah. that's good writing right there. Yeah. That's that's pretty solid." Well, the, the problem though, and this this is a problem with the movie in general, is he yells, "I'm too old to die," but his face isn't on camera. He's just sort of yelling yeah, from off screen. And this is one of those movies where yeah. when a, a, a character's face is facing away from the camera, mm-hmm. they're just throwing in all of this yammering. All this extra Where all these people yeah. are, are like chittering amongst themselves and they cut to the close-up and that's when they're silent. It really does seem like someone at a test screening mm. or some executive at Disney saw the first cut and said it's not funny enough. Yeah, we need more Which is weird because in there. there's some okay jokes that are actually built into the narrative. There's actually a pretty funny one where in order to... Uh, they, they, uh, Lucky Stanfield has seen the Hatbox Ghost mm. and they he wants he needs a picture of it. And he, no one they know can draw, so they go to visit like a police sketch artist mm. and they describe this ghoulish monstrosity that yeah. is it's clearly not alive and the guy like reproduces it perfectly. It's in one of the trailers. And they're like, wow, you're a good sketch artist. I'm like, that's actually kind of funny. Yeah. That's, well, a, that's a joke. And, and, we can appreciate the, that joke. And the punchline is like, okay, now, can you do him with skin? Uh, Hatbox Ghost is is a special effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's credited to Jared Leto. 
Why? I have no idea. But they they clearly covered his face with special effects. Mm-hmm. They changed his uh, voice to sound they, like Paul Freese. Yeah, I don't know and, if it's and they him and they changed so the tonality or what. Why Why even pay for Jared Leto at that point? Well, not yeah, not just, that Jared Leto is... a good voice actor and animate the character. Not that Jared know? Leto is the most famous actor in the world or anything, but he's an Academy Award winner. He's mm-hmm. the, the front man of a band. He's got a lot of weird stories about him in the media. You, you hire someone who commands a big paycheck ostensibly because either A... They can give a performance that no one else can give. Hmm. Or B, you're trying to capitalize on their celebrity. Uh, he, you, If you took out like the one or two shots, like illustrations mm-hmm. of his face as a living person, like from like a, a flashback, flashback yeah. you take those two shots out, you'd never know it was Jared Leto. And hmm. frankly, the performance he gives is fine so, Doug Jones could have done yeah. even better like it's just it, and he would have been more interesting physically as well just hire just any contortionist or mime yeah. or somebody who could like get, just give a good physical performance it's just a bafflingly uh, expensive choice like yeah. for, considering well, what you actually used them and, for and, it would be like if like if you remember we were talking about this in our iron list about cameos there's a scene in the Best Picture winner around the world in 80 days mm. where uh, they're all at a bar and someone's playing piano in the background and you never see their face until the Five minute scene is over. All the characters leave, and then the guy playing the piano turns his his head around, and boom! It was Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Now imagine Frank Sinatra got paid as much as if it, as if it was a leading role. That's how much they got out of Jared Leto, yeah. and that's how much they probably paid him. I don't. Again, it's not our job to criticize the business side of it, but it's just baffling and distracting. Yeah, because it's yeah. distracting how not distracting it is. <laughs> because why? Uh, <laughs> why did you do that? I think, uh, what did you say? Like, ba- bafflingly expensive. And that, yeah. that's that's this whole movie in a nutshell, isn't yeah. it? Just, they, they spent a lot on special effects. Mm-hmm. They got a really impressive cast. Oh, we yeah. haven't even brought up Madame Leota yet. Um, yeah, played by Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee this Curtis. time around. Not bad. Not the, bad casting. Not bad casting, Jennifer Tilly was better. And uh, the the crystal ball is bigger, so they have to use special effects to grow Jamie Lee Curtis's head so it fits mm. in the crystal ball. So she has, like, a giant head now. And yeah. it seemed to me like they animated her face, or they did some sort of CGI something. I to think her they face. CG de-aged her or something like or, that, but yeah, like, or, or just like they, ghostly or whatever. Or they put the makeup on her. I know they're doing that now, or they yeah. uh, they kind of are applying rather than just put makeup on an actor. They're applying it digitally after the fact, like oh. they put the dots on their face and then try to animate the makeup over them. It's very bizarre. Um, and but in in so doing, it makes her face look fake. It makes it look like they just animated her face in there. Yeah, uh, which is really off putting uh, and not nice to look at. And uh, but I have to go back to to all of that chatter. Um, the the credited screenwriter on this film is Katie Dippold, mm-hmm. who uh, she co-wrote Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, no, she did the uh, heat. She did the heat. All right, uh, she did the heat, and she did, and she did uh, Ghostbusters. She did Paul Feig's Ghostbusters, yeah. uh, which she, she I liked. Par- with Parks and Rec, That's, yeah. yeah, which uh, I liked Paul Feig's Ghostbusters more than most people, but I do believe that it has the exact problem you're talking about mm-hmm. here, where the actual structure of it is fine. But so much of the comedy is based on chatter mm-hmm. and ad-libbing that it doesn't feel well-structured. And in fact, it feels loose to the point of being ramshackle. Yeah, and I think yeah. that really, really hurts the film. And I think it hurts this film, too, for the exact yeah. same reason. I think the idea where something interesting or funny is going to happen if the characters just don't shut up, yeah. uh, then 
somehow that's like a, a, a formula for comedy, and I think Katie Dipple doesn't have that. She doesn't know how well, to. I, it's tricky to say exactly sc- how much is 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 it Katie Dipple. For example, when Paul Fig was doing it, that's his shtick for a lot of his yeah, movies. He lets the actors yeah. just sort of ramble. It's one of the reasons yeah. why A Simple Favor is so great because apparently he looks like he's stuck to a script. For the first time, yeah. And, it, and that movie's great. That movie's easily his best work. I love that movie to pieces. So yeah, I, I don't uh, know so how I don't, much of hard, this was... It's hard Katie. to say how much of it's hers. Because I like The Heat, mostly. I suppose so. I, think I, I feel like there's a lot of chatter good. in that movie It's as well. definitely padded, but, and yeah. mostly by just banter, but mm. the actual movie itself, the bones, the structure of it, mm. pretty good, that movie, actually. Yeah. So the... The direction isn't assured enough mm-hmm. that we're taken into a spooky place. No. We're not entering a haunted mansion and really exploring it. Remember, this is an unfair comparison, but mm. remember The Haunting, the Robert Wise film? I, 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 th- I think the Yon Bond film is a bit more of a one-to-one comparison. I suppose but... so, but my point being, uh, actually, even the Yon Bond film does this. It lets you know, as an audience, where you are in the mansion mm. and where things are in relation to each other and when you get lost in that place. Yeah. It makes the place feel kind of scary and alive, which is a weird thing to say about the 99 film, which is essentially a Scooby-Doo episode. Which also uh, has Owen Wilson, by the way. It does. Yeah. Um... Uh, this movie doesn't have that... Mm. Like, there's there's an idea where they all have to sort of sleep in, like, a living room. There's, like, one room uh, in the house that the, the, the ghosts, ghosts don't like to go. The ghosts don't go in there, so they sleep in this living room. And yeah. even that room doesn't okay. have a sense of place. So you don't know where people are in relation to each other in mm-hmm. that room. The editing and the shooting does just leaves this uh, haunted mansion really kind of indistinct. It doesn't have a lot of character. It feels like there's two possibilities in there. One is that because it is such a banter-heavy comedy or whatever, mm. um, that they sh- shot footage kind of... just shot as much footage as they could get, mm. and they just found the story in the editing room. Or it's possible that they were intentionally trying to create a house where the geography wasn't clear. Mm. But the problem with that is that you were creating a house... Where the geography isn't clear. Mm. And in order to maintain the audience's sense of just basic continuity, and so that we have a sense that we're like in this world, yeah. you, you got to have a more refined balance than this movie mm. has. The, here's what I will say about this movie. I will say two things about this movie. Um, eh, three. Okay. <laughs> first, first off, I, I laughed more than you. All right. Which is not a lot to say, but I did get chuckles throughout the film. So I'll, I'll give yeah. the movie a little bit of credit for that. Um, second, I do think a lot of the production design is really good. I think the actual interior of the house, the exterior of the house, a lot of the individual scenes like actually look like smartly presented, like genuinely, like they put some atmosphere into the production design. I like that. The thing that makes this movie not a wash for me, though, because even if I got some chuckles throughout, even if production design was good, that's not enough to make a whole movie. But the reason why I don't think this movie is a, is like bad uh, is Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. At some point, someone, presumably <laughs> Justin Simeon... He's kind of trying. <laughs> I don't think kind of. I think he really is. I think Justin Simeon had a conversation with Lakeith Stanfield and said, we're making a real movie. Hmm. But I don't think he told any of the other actors that. <laughs> because everyone else is a goofball. Rosario Dawson is weirdly underwritten. She has almost nothing to do except mm-hmm. own the house. Um, like, she, she has a son, and yeah. she, she has never a relationship with her son at Lakeith all. Lakeith Stanfield is this new guy. He is, and it's one thing. I know surrogate father, the dad's out of the picture. It's mm-hmm. a whole plot point. But seriously, that's your son. 
and it's not like you have anything else to do. You can't even leave the house. What are you doing? It's not very well. Her character is very badly written. It's such a waste of Rosario Dawson is a very charismatic actor. Um, but Lakeith Stanfield is a character who is genuinely racked with grief. Mm. And he has great comedic timing. And he is absolutely trying to sell that his character is like profoundly sad mm. and full of 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 grief and regret and yeah. there's one scene in particular where he explicitly says everything that happened to him and the camera just lingers on him and it just lets him act for a minute and for a moment you realize this could have been a good movie <laughs> right this could have yeah. been a good movie this could this could have been more it's... than i'm going to be generous and say mediocre this could have been more than mediocre this actually could have been mm. a good movie it also uh, could have yeah. been a completely wacky movie that was genuinely funny, but they didn't go one or the other. They tried to yeah, do there's... both, and I, they could not nail it. I I don't know why Disney keeps struggling with this, because they keep on trying. And mm-hmm. even the Muppet one, it's not that great. And No, it's just kind of okay. Uh, it's a haunted mansion. Uh-huh. It's a haunted mansion story. Uh, I understand that they feel really beholden to the iconography and the dialogue from the ride. And, I and think that's, you can work with that. Uh, fine, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I do like the ride. And, the, the, you know, the, the same, uh, that same uh, musical riff is on all the yeah. scores. It's, and I like that. I like great. that music. Um, do, do, do. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, it, I've seen so many successful, good haunted house comedies. I've seen some yeah. bad ones, too. Yeah. Have you seen Saturday the 14th? That's a terrible movie. It is a terrible movie. Yeah. I grant you that. It's a very, very bad film. Yeah. But, you know, you can go back to Abbott and Costello. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to the films of William Castle. You know, those Beetlejuice are, for crying yeah, out. Beetlejuice. That's a high watermark, but still. I you suppose know. so, but it's it can be done. These sort yeah. of, like, scary movies well, that are kind of quirky. And I or, feel or, like... Or look uh, at someone like... Uh, uh, um, not, not The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. What's the one with uh, Charles Lawton? The Cannonful Ghost. Oh, okay. Great movie. Uh my, I think my issue is uh, the filmmakers or the studio uh, were really gun-shy about making this as frightening as possible. Yes, I think that's They didn't want to startle the children. They don't want to scare kids away from going on the ride. I think that's uh, yes, what it is. I suppose so. And, and I've, Which is I've weird been... because I didn't want to go on Monstro because it scared the crap out of me. And what's the Monstro ride? Rinky-dink dollhouses. <laughs> like, it's nothing. It's the scariest facade in the entire park. And inside is the most mundane shit. Mm. I was terrified of that ride because you and you don't even go in the mouth; you no. go out of the mouth. Yeah, I know it's of, ridiculous of, of the whale. Uh, so uh, I, I've maintained and I've been corrected on this before that uh, mm. little kids actually kind of like to be scared a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah. go to a movie; they want to see something that might push them into sort of nightmare territory. They might have a scary dream that night, mm-hmm. but. Uh, there's sort of like a, a thrill to that. Like you're, getting, you're seeing something a little bit forbidden mm. and also it's exciting to be scared in a movie theater. Mm. Uh, I feel like, and I'm going to put this on Disney actually, not the yeah. filmmakers because th- they are very averse to quirkiness, to scariness, mm. to anything with like actual Any, anything texture that might, or fear anything or that might personality. Yeah. yeah. Even uh, in the tiniest way. So, yeah, they really yeah. want to bank on the iconography of their ride. They want to get you in on that recognition alone, and yeah. they are too afraid to make a movie about it. So here we have a movie that's uh, too annoying to be funny, mm-hmm. and too boring to be scary, and too long to be interesting, because it goes it's on way, and on it's and way on. Too long, yeah. 
like a two-hour film. Yeah, it does not need to uh, be. I, I don't think this really has any good strides. There's, like, yeah. moments you might be able to pick out. But overall, it's kind of a watch. It's kind of, it's, but, I will, here, but here's what, here's the last thing I'll say, and we got to move on, because we've given this movie plenty of oxygen. Um, still better than the Eddie Murphy one. No. I will I will say this. If you watched those two back to back, if you watched the Eddie Murphy one oh. and then you watched the Justin Simeon one, you would say to yourself, Oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> like, oh my God, that was so shrill for so long. Oh, it was just an assault on all the senses. Or you can just At least watch... Justin Simeon looks look like looks like a movie. <laughs> like Let's like the, 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 the Eddie Murphy one has like that aesthetic. Of like computer games from like the two thousands that were like based on movies, you know, like if this was the haunted mansion video game, but just mm-hmm. the, the the resolution was way too good, but it was the kind they would make in two thousand three. That's the vibe of it. It is just an ugly movie. <laughs> um. Anyway, we're we'll we'll I think our, I think we said our piece. Uh, we'll move on. There was another horror movie that came out that isn't bad. <laughs> it's actually okay. Uh, it's actually quite good. It's called Talk to Me. It's an Australian movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I realized? All, all four of the movies uh, we're reviewing uh, have uh, black lead actors, which is awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Talk to Me. It's, it's an Australian film, and it is about a group of teenagers who there's like a new party game that they have discovered. And a lot of these kids, they have their own problems at the house, you know, overbearing mother, another uh, girl's mom's died, and she's still dealing with the grief. Uh, but And one of the things that they're doing in order to let us steam well, is kid parties. They're doing parties. Yeah. I think, uh, don't don't jump to the party yet, though, because this film has actually been very, is very, very good about mm. establishing who these characters are and what their lives are like. Okay, Before we get to the party. I was giving so, people the gist um, of the plot, but yeah, fair yeah, enough. That's uh, true. So, um... Yeah, we establish like the the traumas they're going through, but it is not perfunctory. In fact, there's no. a lot of scenes where they're just sort of hanging out, yeah. having conversations. Uh, it's like a scary bit right at the mm. beginning, and then mm. it is not afraid to not be scary for a while. Yeah, and I've often said this. I think one of the great measures of a horror movie, and this isn't universally true, there are definitely exceptions to this. But one of the great measures of a horror movie is, you know, a lot of horror movies are about people living their normal lives, and then something scary happens to them. If their lives weren't interesting enough for us to want to follow them before the scary thing happened, mm. you were off to a bad start. Yeah. Here we've got a group of kids, and they're not going through terribly dramatic things. Loss of a parent, sad, but already mm. in the past. Uh, a little bit of jealousy over a boyfriend who dated one mm. for like a week, and now he's dating another one. And, yeah. and I love those scenes, yeah. though, because yeah. it's, it's like this believable teenage relationship. Yeah, it's, it's These characters to, kind of know each other. They have a little bit of a past. And it's able to make a relatively subtle, very plausible teen life interesting. Mm. These are interesting people, even if they might not be in the most interesting situation, until the plot kicks in. Yeah. Uh, the plot is, you know, they're they're kids. They're letting off steam. They're having parties when they shouldn't have parties. Uh, they're smoking when they shouldn't be smoking. They're yeah. drinking when they shouldn't be drinking. Their their mom, uh, single single mom, is played by Miranda Otto. Yeah, uh, and she has uh, I forgot what her job actually was, but she's out of the house a lot. Yeah, she works nights. And um, uh, and yeah. she's trying to be very stern, but she clearly has lost control of these kids. Yeah, it's like no parties. 
No parties. I'll take away everything. No parties. Yeah, we're not having a party, Mom. It's no, funny. I know you're having a party. So what time is the party? Like, she's I'm trying to tell... Trying to trick him, you know? Yeah. Trying to be a clever mom, and the kids are just too clever for yeah. her, and she's it's just... like, oh, no, we're not having it. a party, and of course, she leaves, and the, the party starts immediately. You can't control your kids after a certain point. It's either they want to follow your, your instructions, or they want to mm. push the boundaries of what they're going to do. That's part of being young. It's pushing the boundaries of the rules that have been set for you, and that's a big part of this movie, actually. Um, the party game that they have is they have... A forearm, like from like the top it's, of it's the a, elbow a, down to yeah, the hand. It's a statue. It's a statue's hand, and it's yeah. been written about. It's clearly been passed along. It's like yeah. really dirty, and Got like somebody keeps it in their naps. Uh, the character, um, yeah. the, the sort of like punk character, yeah. uh, the character's named Haley, uh, keeps it in her bag, and she brings it out. It's like, yeah, and uh, the gag is apparently. You light a candle, all spooky, set the atmosphere. You tie someone to a chair, so for spooky reasons. Mm. Uh, and then that person puts their hand in the hand, like it's shaking the hand. Mm. And then they say, talk to me. And then all of a sudden you see a ghost. Mm. And then after you see the ghost, you can say, I let you in and the ghost can possess you. And the possession stops. If you blow out the candle, which you have to do after 90 seconds or the ghost might stay there. Mm. So there's like this sort of ticking clock and like, oh, this is so wrong. We shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. Uh, and I pre one thing I like about the movie is that it just flat out says the ghosts, the ghosts are real. Like the first thing someone does mm. is see a ghost and you're like, oh shit. Mm. Okay. So we're really doing well, this. The, the ghosts are real and yeah. they allow the ghost to possess them. It's, it's like flatliners. Yeah. They, it allow is the like flatliners, they, they, they allow the ghost to possess them for 90 seconds. Who knows how they figured out that number. They don't explain yeah. that part, uh, yeah, which but, I, I kind of like. It's like part of the lore. Well, and they don't um, know the lore either. Mm. They've heard rumors as to what the hand is, but this is, this thing has been going around for a while yeah, and I, no one knows exactly where it came from or where the rules came yeah, from. I, I do love that. They never really give a clear explanation as to what the hand is. Like, yeah. Oh, I heard it was this, I which is better this. that way. Yeah, we don't, um, we don't really, to get into that uh because then you're just telling a mythology story not yeah a story I, don't, story. I don't i don't care i want to uh, find out what happens to these characters right now yeah and, and uh after 90 seconds the ghost leaves their body and it's like they're high like that was yeah. really fun for them it was, it was like exhilarating thrill. yeah uh so yeah they they take turns doing it and um the, the main character mia uh who's played by uh, her name is sophie wilde mm -hmm. she's great uh, she's wonderful in this movie yeah um sees uh she sees a ghost it goes in uh, they start having parties they keep doing it over and over again mm -hmm. um she uh is or i guess it's not her little brother it's her friend's little brother her friend's little brother but she's who, like uh, kind of been adopted by the family because yeah. she's like estranged from her dad after her mom's death yeah, so, so she, 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 li she lives uh, lives at home with her dad but mostly spends time over at her friend's house yeah uh and I think that's a really interesting sort of family dynamic mm -hmm. that she's kind of this ancillary member of this family. Mm -hmm. uh, and the little brother uh, says, well, I want to do it, but he's like 12. Like they think he's a little too young to yeah, do it. Yeah. It's like a little too uh, young. And they're just like, no, 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 no. It's, it's like, I oh, fine. We'll do it for like, not the allotted amount of time. And yeah. uh, he said, he allows himself to get possessed. Wouldn't you know it? It's a horror ghost that just starts mutilating his well, face. Uh, no, actually, because uh, what it, what it actually first starts happening, and this is called, and we're not, mm. I'm not going to go into the plot much more after this, but the big hook is the reason why he ends up 
what that ghost longer than he should is because at first the ghost claims it's, and it might very well be, we don't know. The ghost claims to be Mia's mother and she refuses to let it leave his body. And so she gets really irresponsible with the rules that were very clearly laid out. And then the ghost starts freaking out and hurting Riley's body. And then that kid's in the hospital and they realize that, Oh, this is all on us and we have to solve this Mm -hmm. problem. But, but wouldn't you know it, the ghosts uh, are now haunting them. Yeah. And one of the conceits is the ghosts can look and sound like anybody yeah. alive or, well, dead mm. relatives. So they, yeah. they're, and they're really keen on manipulating you. And I yeah. feel like the ghost, because ghosts are never just ghosts. Yeah. They, they represent something, usually grief and trauma. Um, yeah. Usually it's something in the past, almost, yeah. almost exclusively. Something in the past. Uh, this is... Yeah. Um, it's about uh, sort of the sadness that they're they're feeling. It's also mm-hmm. about, I think, a lot of their repression as young people. Yeah. They're, they're trying to kind of break out and figure out who they are. There's, mm. It's notable that uh, when several characters are possessed, they become incredibly sexual. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when they finally come to, it's like they're shocked that, that that's and they're really ashamed overtook of themselves, them. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you've been an adolescent, you probably know well, what that feels like. This is what's uh, great about this movie is that I think it captures a very particular anxiety mm. you have when you're young. Yeah. Because when you're young, you are told a lot of things you're not supposed to do. And a lot of the things you're told you're not supposed to do come with a sort of hyperbolic consequence for doing it. Mm. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But like, you know, teen drinking. There's a decent chance that if you have a beer before you're 21, you're not going to... And you don't go driving, don't do that. But like, you're not going to like end up dying but yeah. a lot of the stories you hear are about that exactly happening it's, it's the most extreme lot. scenario one, one beer and you die immediately yeah there you know what the uh the one banned episode of tiny toon adventures yeah it's called one beer yeah and it's about how the the kids the the characters mm. are like 12 go into the fridge find a beer start drinking it and of course it's a cartoon so they instantly turn into hobos and they get <laughs> yeah they steal cars and they drive off a cliff and they die that's the end of the cartoon. That's, that's pretty dark, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, but again, I think when you... And, and a lot of horror movies are based on this as well. A lot of horror movies begin with one character or another doing something they're not supposed to do. Or at least society or, you know, urban legends have told them not to. My favorite example of this is from the movie The Hitcher. Hmm. With C. Thomas Howell driving like to deliver a car from one state to another. It's the middle of the night. And he sees a hitchhiker... He pulls over. This is the first scene in the movie. He pulls over. I think the very first line in the movie is, my mom told me never to do this. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Has any character been more... Like, like screwed uh, from the opening like line. Like, the, yeah. the, the, compared to the sin he committed, the shit C. Thomas Howell has to go through in The Hitcher is absolutely absurd and yet absolutely terrifying. Rucker Howard plays The Hitcher. If you've never seen the original Hitcher, I've never seen the Sean Bean movie, I don't know if it's any good. The original Hitcher with C. Thomas Howell, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Rucker Hauer. Awesome movie. <laughs> so damn good. I love that. It's brutal, but I love that movie. Um, but yeah, a lot of movies are about the thing you're not supposed to do. And then you do it. Uh, and that's a lot of what being young is like. You're told, don't do this because you'll throw your life away. You'll, you smoke one cigarette, you'll get cancer. You know, there's even a line in that beginning. They're like debating, like, if we smoke one, do we get cancer? Is that how it works? Yeah. Like when you're a kid, you don't know because that's all you've been told. Yeah. And, you know, don't ever do it at all. It's not worth it. But like, you know, one probably won't give you cancer. Um, this movie is about 
that very specific anxiety when you do one naughty thing you're not supposed to yeah. do and the absolute worst thing actually does happen to you. Well, it's, it's, it's about genuinely terrifying because yeah, it, it it puts you in that mindset. It, puts it doesn't you in the just show you kids and, doing and it. It lets you and the audience feel it. It's very good about that. Yeah, that sort of guilt, that sort of anxiety, and and most importantly for the themes of the movie, how, what your parents think of you when, yeah. when you do that. Um, yeah, and, and what and, and what your you know? peers think, and you know, a lot, yeah. there's a lot of peer pressure. I want to be cool. That's I think they yeah. even say, "I want to, you want to be cool, don't you?" And it's, in the movie, and it doesn't uh, feel like that kind of fake peer pressure, like in a PSA. It's just, mm. "Hey, we're all having a party. Don't be a stick in the mud." Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just a very different kind of peer mm. pressure than the thing we were always told is yeah, that some bully will meet you in a hallway and says, "Hey, smoke this expensive drugs for free, and then I'm, you'll be addicted forever." I'm and not you're a like, chicken. You're a turkey. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles PSA. Look that shit up. That bit's weird. A lot of a lot of the PSAs you and I watched in the 1980s were really strange. Do you remember and, the one and where we're our... going to pause and 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 I think it's just on YouTube now. It used to be really hard to find Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. Oh yeah, it's uh, but yeah, see Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. That's wild. Did you ever see the PSA where R two D two was smoking and C three PO told him to stop? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a robot. Mm. I'm just you're saying gonna, you're going to ruin <laughs> your lungs, right? He, he, he also, a, what is R two D two the bad boy? R two D two. Well, I mean, he, clearly he let uh, uh, Leia and Luke kiss when he knew they were brother and sister. Okay, that bit was okay. You know what? I actually stand corrected. R two D two is weird. R two D two is kind of weird. Into, into okay. some weird stuff I apologize there. that but, you're but absolutely also, right. That also, is canon. Also, that robot like crawled around on the outside of spaceships when they were out in space. Like, yeah. it doesn't breathe it doesn't have lungs yeah let the thing have a cigarette it probably creates exhaust like yeah, literally yeah. like <laughs> anyway uh yeah this doesn't have that psa feeling in fact uh, it has kind of a nightmarish quality after a while that kind yeah. of guilt and that weird idea that your body is being taken over by these strange impulses that you can't control by that guilt that you're getting from your peers um, by the social systems. There is an element of class underneath all of this that the hand came from sort of the, the poorer, shadier families. Yeah. And, they're and they're making their the way to like the, the affluent families. Like that's mm-hmm. a big part of the anxiety. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, not, not in, in an irresponsible way. It's actually just a theme of the movie. Yeah. No, the uh, movie's smart about how it, it explores this stuff. Yeah. It does at the end. It, I don't have too many criticisms of the, this movie. Cause I think it's actually incredibly effective. It's really sp- scary. Genuinely uh, scary. There's I some, agree. yeah, some really fun images in it. There's a there's pretty damning images of a, a wallaby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, an Australian film. Scary, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, it does sort of spin off to into like a little bit of chaos at the end. Like you're not really sure what mm. the rules of this thing are, which yeah. I'm fine with not knowing all of the rules. But if it seems like there are none, mm. then it becomes a little less like a little discombobulated. I, I will argue. I, I agree. I think the the movie this can be a trap or it can be a challenge mm. but um you know you've been the horror has been at a simmer for a long time and when the movie wants to end you want some sort of escalation and i've seen very good horror movies even great horror movies kind of not have the best ending i think it follows is a great example of this i think mm. the actual last shot of it follows is great the climax of it follows where it's they like, try to kill the it's ghost like an action movie climax yeah, yeah it doesn't really work and it's one of those I and mean, i talked about this recently with um what was the other movie that uh, Boogeyman tried to do this? Where if you turn your horror monster into a metaphor for a real human feeling or baggage or trauma, uh, then you can't kill it. Yeah. So we we won't believe you. The only way to solve that 
is for this person to go to therapy. Like mm-hmm. that's it. That's those. That's you can't just kill it with a gun. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna ring false. So if you double down on that, it's gonna feel fake. Uh, here they don't do that, and I think it stays internal. I think it stays emotional. I think the stakes get raised. I think there is some confusion over what is the right thing to do. What might be the ghosts manipulating you? What are the rules of the ghosts? I think based on my initial reading, and I only saw it once. And I reserve the right to change my mind or, or say I was wrong. Mm. But, and without going into detail, based on my initial reading, I think it makes sense. It's just never explicit. Based yeah. on the rules I was able to pick up, based on things that characters said, but other characters didn't take seriously, which is a big part of the movie. I think it makes perfect sense. But I think maybe it could have been a little bit more explicit. Then again, maybe if it was more explicit, it would have been less unnerving. Yeah, which is a trick. So that's the it's a balance you got to strike. I'm pretty happy with how the movie turned out. I, I like the very end. I think the end yeah. was really cool. Oh yeah, good. I, good I, I like just the, the the plot was fine. I think yeah. that, you know the story was told quite well. It just uh, th- there were a few moments where it's like, where are they? Did the ghost? Pos- no. Wait, Who is that, that was that the ghost, yeah. or was that the like? I was, and was that really the ghost, or was that the ghost pretending to be another ghost? That and, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like the ghosts are all pretending yeah. to be ghosts, and it, it becomes uh, j- just a mile, like a, a hair unclear mm-hmm. uh, throughout that. I last agree. Passage. I, I think I think that was a decision that they. I think it, I think it feels like they were afraid that if they were too explicit, it would have felt too much like just exposition dumping mm. at the end, and it might not have been as frightening. Mm. Uh, then again, maybe it would have worked. I, I can't say. I do think it pretty much works as is. I see your point, but it didn't bug me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talk to me. Very, very scary. It's actually not the scariest movie I think I've seen this year. I still think Skinamarink got under my skin more. Uh, skin, but that's a high bar. I was going to say, it's going to be hard to beat something like Skinamarink. Yeah, because that, like, that was so just just a unique film. But still, like, I, 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 I missed this movie like the opening weekend it came out. We're playing catch up on this one. Mm. And I had heard a lot of people say, it seemed like the ad, like, you know, quotes are like, this is one of the scariest movies in years. The trailers didn't make it look like it would be. The trailers made it look like something like Truth or Dare or something well, like that. Just kids screwing around Supernatural and like a I, I, I can't standard speak to like how, how they're trying to sell it. No. They're trying to make it look like something you know. Well, fair enough. My point is this. You know, sometimes our job as critics is to explain what the movie actually is based on what you may have heard or assumed or what they might have even shown you the marketing materials. Mm-hmm. I was I was intrigued, but I was unimpressed by the trailers. I thought it just All looked right. like another horror movie. And the only thing that made it seem like not another horror movie was the seemingly hyperbolic praise. Yeah. Uh, it's not hyperbolic. It's genuinely frightening, wonderfully well-constructed. I think it's the kind of horror movie, though, where because the pieces are things that you've seen before, that when you chop them out of the film sort of... Uh, freaky vibe and uh, overall context, they don't have the same impact. So I think the trailer is actually uniquely bad for this movie. The movie <laughs> itself is excellent. So that's just a that's uh, just a heads up. About yeah, that. it's it's really really good. It's really yeah. unnerving and yeah. solidly put together. Um, the directors, this is their first feature, mm-hmm. um, and they're like a DJ collective. Like they're not actually filmmakers. Danny and Michael Filippo, aka uh, Raka Raka. Yeah. Um, Good for them. Apparently, they do live action horror comedy videos. Yeah, they're like they're huh. they're, they're like YouTubers, and this is their first. Yeah. Um, it is sort of unusual to 
find that these like YouTubers who you think of a YouTuber, you think, oh, they're doing something like fun and messing mm-hmm. around. And they make like this yeah. really kind of thoughtful movie about mm-hmm. adolescence and adolescent anxiety. Uh, Skin and Marink about different things, but that was also a YouTuber as well. That's true. Yeah. I, w- the promise, I think, of YouTube mm. was that it was really going to help democratize filmmaking along with having, you know, cheaper phones or, or cameras on our phones, decent quality cameras available at consumer prices. Yeah. And then YouTube and the internet in general was a distribution system that circumvented a lot of the barriers. Mm. It's also harder to monetize, but at the very least you can get your work out there. Um, I think we assumed that we would see the next generation of filmmakers immediately. You're right. And I think that was naive. What I think we're seeing now is that uh, now that people have actually not just tried this out, but kind of grown up with it and learned to express themselves through cinema in, you know, a, a different take a drink milieu. Mm. Uh, we're starting to see a generation with a different voice. And I look at like what Skinner well, does. Voice, yeah. yeah. Like I think, and I, and, but like, oh, not just in terms of what they're trying to say, but also cinematically. Uh, I look at something like Skinamarink, which is emerging from this sort of backrooms, liminal, uh, liminal spaces, uh, which are just their videos online that are just people exploring empty spaces, and it's it's enough to give you a panic attack, and nothing's even happening. Like that's actually like a slow. You talk about slow cinema a lot. It's a slow cinematic movement on YouTube. Young people who are we typically think of as having like hyperactive attention spans are getting completely immersed in slow cinema on YouTube. <laughs> and Skin and Marink is mm-hmm. uh, an extension of that. That's fascinating to me. And to see people who emerge from making fun video on videos on YouTube and then that's not the end-all, be-all of what they want to be. They're using that as a training ground to make truly... Fr- I, th- I think of like you know someone like Sam Raimi who was making like quirky home movies and then he made his first feature film, The Evil Dead. Uh-huh. And it's one of the most frightening things you've ever seen. Uh these are training grounds. Yeah. It's exciting to see people emerge from the training grounds. And not, which is not to say that feature films are the end all be all, like everything else was fake or just practice. But to be able to captivate in long form cinema mm-hmm. uh, is slightly different than short form. Uh, and I think it's really exciting to see what's happening in this. And people who might not watch YouTube or at least the kind of YouTube that is producing this kind of talent, uh, but do watch movies. I think it's part of why this feels like such a breath breath of fresh air to a lot of people, because to them it feels like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. When in actuality you can actually track the history of Skin and Marink and stuff like Talk to Me very clearly if you know where to look online. So it's really, really exciting time right now for cinema, and I really am just, I'm loving this new generation of filmmakers that's coming up, particularly in the horror genre, uh, which is where a lot of people get started. Anyway, um, different topic, different genre. Uh, there's a new <laughs> film on Netflix, uh, mm-hmm. which is getting really good reviews mm-hmm. because and I'm going to say this right now: it's really good. Um, it's rare that a movie comes along that I'm kind of waiting for. Hmm. Um, I felt that way about Mad God. It's like I'm waiting yeah, for yeah. the the weird thing to show up. Yeah, you didn't know what you were looking for, but now that you see it, you're like, like, that's it. That, that's what that's I was waiting for. That's what I was yeah. waiting for. I was wait- yeah. And so what was I waiting for? Uh, a really strange sci-fi exploitation riff on They Live. 
that's what I wanted somehow. <laughs> I didn't know I wanted it, but now that I have it, I'm glad I got it. It's not a bad description. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, they cloned Tyrone. Uh, is it's gonna be a tricky one to talk about because I don't want to go into too much of the detail because I yeah, think there's, the way there's that, a lot of plot twists. The way this that one, this yeah. movie reveals itself is very very clever. Um, but uh, and it's it's got a great cast too. Um, so uh, Jewel Taylor, Jewel Taylor's the director. Jewel yeah. Taylor directed this, wrote the screenplay as well, and they've been uh, writing some very cool movies for a bit now. Um, stars John Boyega. Uh, as a drug dealer in a, a small town called the, or a small community rather, called the Glen, and uh, and and it's off. Yeah, it's off right away. Like everything it's, about it's... it feels, it feels, it feels kind of stylized in that movie way where mm-hmm. um, you know everything's a bit heightened, and you think to yourself, oh, that's just the style of this movie. And yeah, like they you know, go into stores, they go into yeah. stores, and it has like you know, the fake storefronts. Yeah. It turns out that's all like part it's of all, the, it's all there. All, all part the of the plot actually. It's all, <laughs> nothing in this movie is incidental, and that's very very clever. Uh, John Boyega is kind of a tortured soul. He's a drug dealer, but he also his, lost his younger brother to gang yeah, violence, and so his mother's bedridden at home. Like yeah, yeah, it's, it's li- a, li- living a rough life. Yeah, and so we're we're sympathetic for him, but you know he's a criminal. And uh, in the course of his uh, crime duties, he goes to collect uh, his crime duties. Yeah. Got to clock in for crime. Well, I mean, I like the way that I, I love it when movies about crime remind us that. Crime is just a job. Mm. If it's not like a crime of passion, if you're not like a a serial killer who's just in it for the kicks, if you're doing crime to get money, at some point mm. crime becomes a job. Yeah, you, you, you have to seen, do. You, have you to, saw Emily the Criminal, right? Yeah, with, that's with a good Plaza, example. Yeah. Great example of it right there. But even like I think some of my favorite mafia movies, like Donnie Brasco, is mm. great about this. Where unlike you know a movie like Goodfellas or even Casino, where a lot of the movie is spent talking about like. Yeah, there's the horrible downfall at the end when you, your friends betray you and you die, or worse, you end up like destitute and just regretting all of your life decisions. Um, but until then, it's amazing. Everyone loves you and you're having all the sex and all the drugs and beautiful suits <laughs> and the great cars, and it's almost worth it, right? You're just. Donnie Brasco is the same type of mafia guys, but none of it is glamorous. It's no, just all like, normal shit. They're like mid-management guys. Yeah. My, my favorite bit in that movie is there's a scene where uh, you know a couple of like the the mafia guys are sort of like scheming in a corner, you know, to commit some larger larceny. Meanwhile, Al Pacino. They have, like, hacksawed off a parking meter, oh. and he's trying to break into the parking meter by hitting it with a hammer, and it's really annoying, and all the Mafia Don's are like, would you stop? And he's like, if you can come up with a better way to get the money out, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> like, it's just a shitty job sometimes. Love that movie. Um, but, uh, in any case, so it's a job. Hmm. He's collecting money. And uh, he's there to collect money from Jamie Foxx, who is a pimp mm. uh, named Slick Charles. And uh, his, I, I don't know if, it might just be circumstance throws them together, but his closest uh, mm. sex worker employee, Yo-Yo, is played by uh, the great Tayana Paris. Tayana Paris is wonderful. I mean, she, I love her. Have you seen, have you seen Chirac? Uh, I actually haven't seen Chirac. Right. I've seen If Beale Street Could Talk. Okay. She's amazing. She's great in Candyman. She was wonderful in WandaVision. Uh, she's going to be in the she's going to be in the Marvels. But, uh... Um yeah, she's great. Oh, she she's the other Captain Marvel. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. She's Monica Rambeau, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so awesome. Um I get, no, cuz she's the daughter of the woman from the first movie, right? Right. And I, th- I think that makes her Monica, right? 
Uh, I forgot which one was which. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I can watch that right now. Just Captain, I know Captain Marvel set in the 90s. No, she so. plays Monica Rambeau, and like her mom was in the first one. Or okay, mom, yeah. I think her mom was Lashana Lynch. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and now it's her. It's, she's got superpowers, and she's great. I love her. Um, so, um, and, and she's hilarious. She's so funny in this movie. And, and here's one of the things I really appreciate about this movie, because uh, John Boyega plays, his character's named Fontaine. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, like, kind of, has the kind of melancholy, he's very, kind of the serious character. Yeah. Uh, and Tayana Paris plays Yo-Yo as somebody who's, like, really determined. She's a Nancy Drew fan. Yeah. And, she, and she's actually, like, holds the books with her at all times, which is yeah. kind of a, a cute detail. Yeah. So she's, like, really eager to get to the bottom of things. Yeah, she's a go-getter. And, uh, and then there's Jamie Foxx, who is the funny pimp. He's, he, That's yeah, kind he's, of his whole shtick. He's, he's, he's very much a cliche, but he owns it, and he's hilarious. And these characters all play off of each other real well. Yeah, Nobody feels like they're out in their own movie. Yeah. Like, they're, they're a group, and I like yeah. the dynamic between them, even though they're playing very different characters characters yeah. uh the the story really kicks off after uh fontaine collects money from uh, uh slick charles gets in his car and then a guy uh he had beat up a guy earlier in the film uh and then that guy went to his boss and then right after he he takes the money from slick charles and gets in his car they go to the parking lot and they shoot fontaine dead he's dead and he's dead and then he wakes up the next morning and nothing has changed. Uh, everything He doesn't remember dying, uh, but you know his mom is still bedridden. He's still got a job to do. Uh, he goes to the same liquor store every single morning, buys the same lottery ticket. And it's only when he goes to collect money from Slick Charles, because he doesn't remember doing that, that Slick Charles says, You're dead. I saw you die. I saw you get murdered, and I'm going to prove it. Hey, Yo-Yo, did you see him die? It's like... I didn't see him die, but I heard someone get shot, and I saw these guys drive away in a really nice car. And so Charles is like, I don't remember a really nice car. So they go to track down the car, and when they find the car, and they go inside the house where the car is parked, mm. they find something that blows their minds. And I'm not going to tell you what. You, you um, don't want to say anything more? No, let's, let's no. Let, if, if you right. know about it or if you can guess it, fine. But let's 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 let people have this one because I think we can we can say. That it's a sci-fi movie. It's literally called They Clone Tyrone. Mm-hmm. So guess what? Cloning is involved. Uh, and the overall commentary of the film uh, involves p- people using sci-fi technology to make sure the characters are like exactly the way they are in the film, which mm-hmm. is characters out of a black exploitation movie. Yeah. Um, wonderful sci-fi twist. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that uh, David Allen Greer appears in this movie, mm-hmm. and Kiefer Sutherland appears in this movie. Yes. I won't tell you what their roles are. <laughs> yeah. There is a brilliant joke. It's a brilliant joke. When <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland shows up, and someone calls him Kevin Bacon. Now, that in and of itself is, is a little funny. Is a, They were in Flatliners together. That in and of itself was a little funny. The follow-up to that joke, where they explain why they called him Kevin Bacon, hmm. is unbelievably brilliant and it's something a lot of people aren't even going to get mm. and i love it to pieces that is such a that is a confident bit of writing where you think your audience is going to get this, <laughs> this very this obscure very reference. reference i uh, loved that that was such a brilliant joke <laughs> uh of course the movie is about uh racial identity identity politics in the united states mm-hmm. and 
the way uh, sort of society demands the way certain people behave. And yeah. I can't really get into it further without revealing what happens specifically in the movie. I, I will say uh, this. Uh, if there's a movie that'd be a good double feature with this, mm. it's much jokier than this movie, even though this movie's a comedy. Mm. Uh, Undercover Brother. Has some similar oh, ideas. I, I was gonna say uh, Keanu, um, yeah, because I feel it's like some, it's got a good, it'd be a good of a feature too. Yeah. I feel like Keanu uh, was because that was uh, written by Keanu Peel. Yeah, and it's about these uh, t- two young men, uh, and they're they're just nerds. They like pop culture yeah. stuff and science fiction movies and yeah, they're, they're big fans uh, of George Michael. Yeah, you know, and, they're just you know kind of dweebs. And uh, in in a very sort of John Wick way, they're they're kitten Keanu. Mm-hmm. He's a cute little kitty. Yeah, uh, is is stolen and they have to get it back. Mm-hmm. And this sends them down the path to like pretending to be tough guys in the criminal yeah, underworld. And, yeah, and I feel like a big part of that movie was about sort of black masculinity, mm-hmm. the way that black males are meant to behave, and they start behaving like like characters in a movie. Like characters in a movie, yeah. characters might see in a music video. You know, cl- I, w- there's a lot of cliche involved, yeah, I, and, they, and they're, like they're that, personifying it while like commenting Keen, on Keen, it. Keen Peel were commenting on the way that you know, sort of the images of black men uh, are received through media, yeah, and how that puts a lot of pressure on them as black men. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is a movie like that. It just sort of goes like way further with it, and sort of yeah. like fantastical territory. Yeah, it's like a really funny Black Mirror episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it is and it is funny throughout. It's so funny. It's it's a little long. It's two hours, but I feel like it uses the time well. It, uh, it, it keeps it introducing del- new story ideas and mm-hmm. thematic ideas, and it never feels like it's just spinning its wheels and padding it out. It always feels like we're going somewhere with this, and then we do, hmm. and it keeps escalating. And there's so much clever shit in it. Um. This movie might have... I, I, I seriously can't remember the last time I was this impressed by a final needle drop. The very last... Just before the... And there's other songs on the credits, but the last thing that happens in the movie, and then a song starts, mm. and then you hear the song over the credits, is staggeringly funny. And they went to a lot of effort to do it. <laughs> and I think that's really, really, really just a treat. And it just made me really, really happy. And it just reminded you that this has very serious, biting social satire. Mm. Uh, but it's made by people who are witty and inventive and mm. know what they're doing. Yeah, they're, not, they're not doing this... Uh, chaotically and they're not doing this thoughtlessly yeah. it's a lot of thought went into every single element of this and the commentary that it presents yeah, I did. yeah. oh you know what make a good double feature with they clone tyrone is uh sorry to bother you well uh, yeah, yeah uh, that's an angrier movie actually weirdly enough they're both pretty angry the, the, i mean, sorry, I mean just sorry, the, sorry, ending, sorry. the ending is more bitter yeah i think it's sorry to bother you well sorry to bother you is just a, a bitterer film in general but yeah, they're both I mean, very yeah. visually creative and they yeah. are both about sort of uh hmm. Control and racial identity uh, mm. through weird science fiction institutions. It's, it's, a lot of them is, is about how the things that are actually happening in reality mm. uh, would, or, or if you were if vast you were, conspiracies. Well, if you if you looked at it from the outside, like you'd never seen humanity before, and you actually saw how people were treating other people, mm. you would say to yourself, "That's a plot to a bad movie. How are you even? How are you getting away with that? Yeah, like there's so much." overt control attempting to be excised here and you and it's just 
grotesque. And this movie sees that and it understands that when you actually look at it and extrapolate it and treat it like a movie, mm. there's an element of it that's comical. And yet it is abjectly terrifying. And again, tricky balance. Very tricky balance. And they get it right, as far as I can tell, man. I was just I was just completely just blown away by just how smart this movie is, how funny this movie is. The cast is fantastic from top to bottom. It looks good. The soundtrack is great. Uh, it's just an endless, like, sort of parade of great ideas. Yeah. That doesn't stop until the, after the credits start rolling. Like, that's how great it is. So, yeah, this is really fucking good film. Yeah, I, I dug it so much. Yeah. Um, and then the last one we're reviewing is, I actually wasn't able to get to it. Hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, but there's a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. There's Whitney saw it. I didn't. The first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is one of my very favorite comic book films. <laughs> to, to this day. To this day. I, I rewatched uh, it not that long ago. And it holds up pretty dang good. It's got a silly it. premise, but mm. it's so grounded in its filmmaking. The costumes look really, really good. The, the cinematography is very realistic. The fighting is, note, is yeah. solid. The, uh, it, it, the, it works. That, that's what you'll notice uh, when you go back to watch that 1990 film, is yeah. that how the photography makes it look like a real movie. Like yeah. they, they don't make it look cartoony. Yeah. They never, uh, they, they never, a, yeah. The, the, the animatronic suits they use to realize the Ninja Turtles is really, really impressive. Uh, yeah. Ninja Turtles. You can shine light on it and it looks good. Yeah. There's know? like a shot or two where you can like see in the mouths, but, <laughs> Who cares? uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, really good special effects on those suits. Uh, the they made two sequels uh, in that same continuity. The, the suits got cheaper each time. Yeah, uh, Secret the, of the Ooze uh, is much goofier. It's got some fun bits. I liked Part Two fine when I was yeah. a kid, but um, yeah, and, and then yeah, the, the, the Turtles Ninja Turtles Three is just terrible. It's just garbage. It's yeah, really the, bad. The, these movies are not always good. Um, the yeah. Ninja Turtles are a strange concept. Um, they don't have a, they have a few. Uh, plot points that are used throughout the various series, but there's a lot of changes and the characters change Mm -hmm. a lot. And the characters have become richer as time has passed, Mm. but they rarely have like really fully realized personalities. They're usually defined by the color they wear and the weapon they use. Which is, which is Uh, again, they were created as a parody of how serious comic books have become. The uh, Eastman and Lair, uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird uh, yeah. created these characters back in the mid '80s as a parody of like Frank Miller comics about how yeah. gritty and serious these superhero comics were. Yeah. When really they were still wearing the silly costumes. So they yeah. said, "Let's come up with this ridiculous idea." They're What's the most ridiculous looking character we can take Ninja seriously? Ninja Turtles. It's this really yeah. strange concept, but it took off. Uh, you know, yeah. Only a few years after the comic was written, they were already making an animated series of this thing and mm-hmm. you know, making it for Nintendo games. And I had so many of the toys. The toys were cool. Yeah, they were. Those were well made. They were massively nice. popular yeah. and. As much time as passes, as as expected as it all become, it's still a silly premise. It is. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, right there in the title. Mo- in most versions of the story, as in this new movie, uh, there's a radioactive, some sort of mutagenic ooze that drips into the sewers of New York, where there are baby turtles hanging out. Yeah, like, you know, like turtle, in New York, they're always turtles. Oh, there's all kinds of animals in the sewers. I know. Right? I just thought that's, that they're that's turtles. a believable part. I know. It just always amazed me that we're turtles. You've been, you've been to uh, uh, downtown Los Angeles. You can buy a baby turtle in a little box. Yes. That's, that's, that's a common thing. Yeah. Did they get them from the sewers? Oh, I'm, sure, I'm not sure where they got them. Probably Maybe just they got from, from the, the ponds, sewers. But, uh, okay. 
Uh, but yeah, there's four baby turtles down there. They get coated in the ooze. Uh, a rat nearby also gets coated in the ooze. The rat becomes their father and martial arts trainer. And, yes. uh, and the turtles grow into teenage anthropomorphic turtle creatures. Yeah, they live on the outskirts of civilization. They watch. They absorb our culture. Hmm. They turn into, like, surfer dude talking guys. Which is uh, weird because they're from New York. I, I uh, think that 1990 movie at least made them like New Yorkers. And yeah, which I appreciated. Ra- Raphael in particular was a very New York mm. character. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, but they they want to just be kids, but they were also trained by their father to care about things like heroism and wanting to do the right thing. And so but, they but, feel but the through, need to... But through violence. They have weapons. Oh, through it's violence. Like, and it always amuses f- me 15 when... 15-year-olds with stabbing weapons. Especially uh, Leonardo had swords. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so much you can do with a sword violently that isn't going to chop someone something off or stab them. <laughs> yes. And so they're constantly... In the first movie, it's really egregious. You'll, you'll see him, like hit someone oh. in the legs with his swords and they just fall over and I'm like, like and the feet should be separately. Yeah. Um, as the movies went on, they did everything in their power to try to find something he could do with those swords that wasn't, wasn't stabbing things. someone. Yeah. Uh, the, the weird one was uh, um, Michelangelo has nunchucks. Mm. And I, if, if, as I am, as I understand it, nunchucks is something that like in the media in the UK is something they they very uncomfortable showing. I don't know why specifically. Well, in, in so they the, constantly the UK, cut that out. Well, in the UK, yeah. they're not even called ninjas. They're called heroes. That's true. They're called teenage, heroes, teenage yeah. mutant hero turtles. Um, yeah. Uh, so a lot of like the cartoons and the movies and stuff get cut at weirdly hmm. over there. They like work so, around so, so Michelangelo. The vi- but yeah, and like, some of the later animated shows gave Michelangelo like a totally different weapon to try to get away off get get away well, from that. It, the frustrating thing about the turtles is uh, because they don't have a lot of personality. They have like one personality trait apiece, yeah. and it's, it's all in the, and it's all in the credits too. Uh, Leonardo uh, leads. Donatello's the, uh, the engineer. Donatello does machines. He's, yeah, he's the engineer. Uh, Raphael is cool but crude. Give me a break. And Michelangelo is a party dude. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's that's, that's all. You, that's all you. That's know. all you need. <laughs> it's, that's it. They have different weapons. They have different color masks, and they have one personality trait apiece. Boom. Yeah. Uh, all you need. It's it's not terribly imaginative. It's not you know engaging for a little kid, other than on a surface level. But well, it was always fun because they kept introducing in the in the cartoon anyway. Every episode pretty much had like a new character, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was to sell toys. But at the very least, there was a new weird creation. Yeah, there's, all, see, there's a lot a, of monsters and interdimensional mutants. There's an alligator stuff, man yeah. in the sewers. There's a, a mad scientist who becomes a fly. Mm-hmm. There's a skateboarder who becomes a gecko. It just mm-hmm. keeps going on. One time they met Usagi Yojimbo. That was cool. Oh, which is a different comic book. Yeah, but yeah. by uh, uh, Stan Sakai. Is it Stan Sakai? Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah, um, Usagi Jumbo. Yeah, but that was that was that was a fun crossover. That one that actually made sense. Um, cool. But now we have. Un- there's been multiple movies along the way. There's been many TV shows along the way. There was even a tour. I was correct. Point. Stan Sakai. Stan Sakai. Okay. Um, so it, there, there's a lot like any comic book character. There's a lot of different mythologies. You can choose yeah. your favorite one. Uh, and so now we're on. We're rebooting it again. Um, mm-hmm. It's. Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg uh, wrote and produced this. They do a lot so, together. Yeah. They're very prolific, and they're just sort of doing what they want with the mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give still... kind of carte blanche. And uh, the, the conceit of this movie is still using the sewer. Teenagers grow out. Teenage mutant ninja turtles grow out of it. Um, their father, the rat Splinter, is uh, played by Jackie Chan. Oh, that's fun. And. He's... 
not, in, not Japanese. In something that's actually okay. novel to this entire series, like it's been around since 84, and in all of the movies and TV shows, they've actually never actually hired a teenage cast to play the teenage characters. I feel like Corey Feldman was a about age appropriate when the first movie came out. Yeah, the voice of one of them in one movie. I'm just giving credit where credit is due. <laughs> yeah. Just this, giving credit where credit is due. This time the the actors are fifteen and nineteen. And yeah. uh and from what I understand, all of the uh actors were recorded in the booth together so they can kind of like banter with Riff. each other. Yeah. Um, have a relationship. That's a good yeah. idea. Uh and a lot of this movie is them just sort of hanging out. And the scenes where they're just sort of chattering at each other, hanging out, being teenagers are the best scenes. Aw. They're just sort of hanging out. Uh, I, I remember, um, I didn't say this one, but the one scene that I liked from the first Michael Bay produced Teenage Ninja Turtles movie, mm. um, I liked the second one out of the shadows just fine, actually, but the first one, mostly bad. The only scene I really liked was when they were just waiting in an elevator together oh, yeah, and just it. passing the time by like beatboxing. Mm. A, a scene that kind of happens in They Clone Tyrone, by the way, which is really fun. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, they actually similar start vibe. singing again. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great bit. Um, the design on the turtles was a little weird on that one because they were giants yeah, in that movie. Like, like really they were nine hulking feet tall. monsters. Yeah. Like, and mostly they're like, they're, they're teenagers. They should yeah. be shorter. And also they're turtles. They can be little. Yeah. And the, mm. that movie, they made them huge. And that was like a weirdly off putting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they meet, um, a f- they have a reporter friend in most mythologies named April O'Neil. Not always a reporter. Sometimes she has different professions, but, mm. uh, they have a friend named April O'Neil, and she's an adult. She's still hanging out with these teenage boys, and that's a little weird. Yeah. Another cool change, April O'Neil is also a teenager in this version. That's good. She's uh, She actually sneaks them, uh, the tur- she meets the uh, the turtles, they uh, save her uh, Vespa from being stolen. They like go to a chop shop, nice. and they get it back, and you know, it's like their first fight. They're actually not experienced fighters. They know how to use their weapons, but they're not violence-minded. They haven't. They haven't had a lot of opportunity to. Yeah, they, kick they, butt. Yeah. they've been told by Splinter that they have to stay in the sewers because the one time he tried to go out, everyone freaked out because he's a, a rat human. It's like, oh no, a rat person. We can't ever like leave because we're mutants and monsters. So these kids have been living in the sewers. They long to be among the human world. Mm. They talk about getting girlfriends and going to high school. It's kind of sweet. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, they rescue. Uh, April O'Neil's scooter. She decides to write a story on them. She's an aspiring journalist who uh, is trying to outlive a trauma. When she tried to give a news broadcaster to school, she barfed on camera. So, uh. so both of their lives were changed by green ooze. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I was proud so, of that one. So that, that's not in the movie. That's a that's a that's, that, that's, a, that's, that's a, a Whitney original a Whitneyism. There nice. you go. Put that on a T-shirt. Nice. Uh, and uh, wouldn't you know it, there's a crime spree going on that they have to investigate. And it has to do with a character named Superfly, who's played by Ice Cube. And it's widely been revealed that he is actually a humanoid fly who's also mut- mutated by the ooze. And he has this army of other animal people mm. that have been secretly living in New York. And that's where we get uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, the rhinoceros and the pig, who are yeah. common Turtles characters. Uh, Mondo Gecko, played by Paul Rudd. This is where all the celebrity voices come yeah. in. Mondo Gecko was one of my favorites as a kid because mm. that uh, action figure came with a skateboard. Uh-huh. And it was fun to have a gecko with a skateboard. <laughs> that's it. That's all I remember about him. He was a, he was a guy. With, I mentioned him earlier. I actually didn't know he was in the movie. All right. uh, like, yeah, like, Mondo Gecko was a was a mm-hmm. one of my favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys. I also like the guy who was made entirely out of trash because one of his feet was a manhole cover and it kind of like stuck out, kind of <laughs> weird. That one made me really, really happy. And 
feel like there was another one I really, really liked, but those are the two that are sticking out. Of See, my head. Uh, who, who else do you have on like in the celebrity? Oh, Casey John... Jones. I love Casey Jones. Yeah, okay. of course, uh, John Cena's in it. Seth yeah. Rogen plays one of the voices as well as writing and producing. Uh, Rose Byrne plays the the crocodile. Ah. Um, uh, Natasha Dimitriou from What We Do in the Shadows uh, plays the the bat mutant. Like she's pretty uh, cool. Can't escape it. Yeah, she's hilarious stuff. Uh, yeah, Paul Rudd plays Mondo Gecko. Uh, there's a character named Ray Filet. It's like it's walking around uh, Manta Ray. Doesn't oh, I, I, had yeah. I had a Ray Filet. I had a Ray Filet. And yeah, and Hannibal Burris plays Genghis Frog. <laughs> nice. So, I feel like I had that too. I and, did have a Genghis Frog. And uh, it's not a terribly... Wow, sophi- it's all coming back. It's not a terribly sophisticated movie. It's about uh, wanting to fit in. Uh, it, it, you know, it's Ninja Turtles movie. How rich are these things? Uh, what's great is the characters. They're really mm-hmm. great. I love the these four teenagers and I love the chemistry they have together. I love the, the, the young cast is just fantastic and they're really carrying it and they're really selling the characters really well, but they actually do have personality beyond just catchphrases and being cool party dudes. Uh, And something I haven't mentioned yet. And it's probably because it's the biggest highlight of the movie is the style. Uh, It's animated in CG, but it's animated as if, and I wish they would, I'm glad they finally did it. They did what I always wish they would do. Um, you see uh, making of film books where they show you concept art. Yeah. Where they show you paintings of what this this is what the background's going to look like. And then you see the final film, and it's really slick and clean. And it doesn't have like the paintbrush strokes or that kind yeah. of texture that the, the concept art is. It doesn't, it doesn't have the yeah. personality. Anyway. This one, they just animated that concept art. Uh. So there's a lot of sort of weird misshapen characters uh, when something explodes, there's a lot of like crayon scribbles just sort of vibrating out when there's sound or just a static shot, like an establishing shot of a building. There's all this like little bits of movement around as if the entire world is just too animated to contain itself. Yeah. Uh, people are comparing it to the Spider-Verse movies yeah. in, in that regard because the Spider-Verse movies used a lot of different kinds of styles. Mm. It's a little bit more restrained than that. It's not exploding at the same as remember in uh, the last Spider-Verse movie. They fought a a villain who was like a Da Vinci drawing, like it was made out of paper. Yeah. Um, they don't was, do, it, cool. it's, it's not quite, quite as stylized as that, okay. but Luca it's actually says we've trying, been podcasting too long. Oh, and he, needs he needs treats. Sorry, buddy. Just, a, but I'm really happy to see that like more and more interesting things are being done with animation in these feature films. I feel like this kind of visual experimentation still needs the pop property to sort of piggyback on. Mm. They can't come up with a character you've never heard of. They have to use well, the Ninja Turtles to sort of sneak it into audiences. Uh, I think the uh, like bigger studios are funding these well, things wouldn't necessarily take a risk on something this visually daring well, I think, with an original concept as well. I think there's a good example of this. Is this was directed by Jeff Rowe. Uh, who, in addition to writing some great episodes, or co-writing some great episodes of Gravity Falls, which is one of the best animated series in the last 10. It's so good. You'd love it. Couldn't say. You would have loved Gravity Falls as a kid, because you liked Eerie (laughs) Indiana and shit. Well, I didn't see Eerie Indiana. You liked liked The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Didn't watch that as a kid either. I thought you did. No, I didn't have Nickelodeon. What am I thinking of? There was some kid show I know you liked. Okay, you know what? You you like Bone Chillers. I liked Bone Chillers. They would have loved Gravity Falls. Okay. Um... In addition to directing... Luca, I will feed you in a second. I just gave you dinner an hour and a half ago. Luca is a cat. He is a cat. He's so cute. Uh, Jeffro also co-directed The Mitchells vs. the Machines. 
Mm. Which is another one of the more uh, daringly inventive animated movies in the last few years. And it also has that sort of bursting at the scenes with creativity. Maybe Mm. not uh, formally in terms of its animation all the time. But also sometimes. Mm. And that's one that the studio panicked about. And gave away to Netflix, basically. And then it became one of the most acclaimed animated movies Mm. in many, many years. So... um, yeah, yeah it, you're right. They are kind of like trying to like grandfather stuff in through like pre-existing IP. Like the, new, the latest Puss in Boots mm. had a lot of this kind of animation where they actually remove frames to give it more of a stop motion yeah, feel. And that's that's something yeah. they did with Spider-Man. It's something they definitely yeah. did with this Ninja Turtles where they're trying yeah. to... Jesus, well, Luca. They, they, they can All make right, I'm giving these... Treats. <laughs> they can make these animated films as slick as they want. You know, you can watch a, a Pixar movies and everything's like really sort of clean lines... Uh, everything's really on model. Uh, you look at those Shrek movies, and golly, they're just so boring to look at. Yeah. Uh, like it's just the, there's just the easiest color palettes, the 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 friendliest colors, which is really frustrating in a movie like Shrek, which purports to be oh this is we're gonna send up Disney and we're gonna be really edgy and daring, and this character Shrek is really disgusting, but he's not. He looks really kind of friendly and has these bright colors. It's not a disgusting movie. There's not a lot of grit or texture. Um, what I think is interesting, not, not that these mutants are disgusting and Ninja Turtles, but... Well, they're, they're based they're, on an indie comic. Yeah. Remember, they had that kind of, like, scratchy... You yeah, know, black and white comic, too. It wasn't yeah. even color at first. I, I feel like we've, we've hit this weird... And we've long since hit this in a lot of forms, but... Um, we, we got, like, visual effects and animation, especially CG animation, to look so clean mm. it became kind of sanitized and we realized that a lot of the so-called imperfections that we were trying to like engineer out of it mm. were what gave it its personality so it's drawing the eye and yeah. now we have to add it in manually yeah it's kind of <laughs> it's sad really ironic uh, uh, it's uh yeah there's it, it ends in a big action climax so like i said mm. the story is pr- kind of predictable yeah. um it would have been nice to have Will they learn the power of friendship? Brotherhood, the brothers. Eh, close enough. No, the, what they'll learn is to uh, be a hero for the right reason. That's the lesson. Ah, because they were the they... hero for the wrong reason at they, the beginning. They, well, they, for, they, only for the money. They, no, it's, it's for uh, acceptance. They wanted to become heroes to be acceptance and not uh, achieve heroism for its own sake. Ah. For sake the sake of righteousness. You don't do it in exchange for fame. Yeah, That's the well, lesson of the movie. And, uh, a little thin, but we, fine, yeah. I, but I appreciate it's fine. that. It's, know, not bad, it's not a bad message. Especially, you know, well, in we kind of went through this generation of heroes that were, were public figures. You look at yeah. the Avengers movies. Those are all well-known celebrities in their universe. For the most part, yeah. Uh, like, Spider-Man's like the only real exception there, yeah. Yeah, like, the, they don't toil away in obscurity, uh, hopelessly devoted to a cause of righteousness, uh, doing it expecting no reward. These are characters that are rewarded in the Avengers movies, and they're rewarded with fame and, and every time, government contracts. You every know, time like, they try to make him out to be like the every person, mm-hmm. it always weirds, reads weird. Like, there's a bit in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the TV series that they mm-hmm. did, where uh, the Falcon, you know, he'd, he'd been, like, blinked out of existence for, like, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, you know, he's trying to put his life back together, and, like... His, I think his sister is, like, losing their family. Like, they have a boat or something like that, and they're trying to, like, save it because it was their okay. dad or something like that. But, like, anyway, but the thing is they're trying to, like, go to the bank and get a loan, and they're like, well, you don't have any credit for the last, like, five years. And he's like, 
half the planet was blinked out of existence for five years and the bank is like yeah but we're still a bank <laughs> and like and like on one hand yeah on the other hand you worked for tony stark he yeah, should give mm. you some money mm. i know he's dead but he should have given you money because yeah, you yeah. were working with a billionaire how is he not giving you money? How are we pretending he's a hero if he wasn't even helping the people he worked well, with to a, save the world financially a uh, little bit? There was like, it doesn't uh, make any sense. So the, these characters, like... Yeah, we try to pretend that there's no level of money or fame when these are, like, the richest, most famous people on the planet. You can't have even it both have, ways. Even a fan... Like fans, isn't like, that that Ms. Marvel's deal? Like she's a fan of Captain Marvel. Yeah, like you get so like, she dresses like Captain. Like Marvel? seriously, I get that. Like you know, you know, dignity, all that kind of stuff. But seriously, do the cameo on Shark Tank and get the money. <laughs> like you'll do it, and it'll be a little embarrassing. But then you have the money because you're famous. Just yeah, fucking I, do it. Get save the family boat. Something that really bothers me about, uh, I mean, a lot of things bother me about the latest Ant Man film. But uh, oh god, it's terrible. Uh, I finally got around to it after it was. Uh, it's so bad. It's really uh, it's, bad. It's real, like like a Whew. like almost in an aggressive way. But one of yeah. the conceits is uh, everybody was blinked out of existence, mm -hmm. and it caused a housing crisis. And so when they all came back, they didn't have a place to live. Right. Uh, maybe those buildings were torn down. Maybe people moved in. Mm -hmm. uh, who's to say? But now there's this homelessness problem. You're superheroes. Build fucking houses. Jesus. With your unlimited resources that you're pouring into death suits. You know, you know what you uh, literally it's... do, Ant-Man? You, you can take like a tiny thing and make it big. Why don't you build a dollhouse Re and make it big? A, resources aren't a problem now. You should be able to take like, oh, are, I'm sorry, are people starving? Well, I'm going to take this tomato i'm gonna make it a giant tomato mm -hmm. and now everyone can eat today i mean it's a little simple but we'll we'll put like some garlic salt on that but like still like <laughs> how much garlic salt this much <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you solve the problems yes. at some point my god man like the longer yeah, you live in that universe the less sense the universe makes like we're hitting this like point of like diminishing returns where mm -hmm. the marvel cinematic universe starts collapsing in on itself and like a pile of failed logic <laughs> and like every time you try to like oh but this is actually like something real like there's no more reality left no, you broke it. it it's we're too far away from the real yeah. world um anyway that, that's a bit of a digression it but, is but it uh is. the ninja turtles are are fighting to be accepted which is actually the theme of uh, ninja turtles out of the shadows mm -hmm. They were, uh, that's the title of the movie. They wanted to be accepted by human society. They were tired I think, of hiding in a sewer, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I, I like that movie just for how kooky it is. That's mm -hmm. a really strange film. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of fun stuff in that film. Like, for a Ninja Turtles film, it's strange. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this one's a little bit more uh, sort of sedate and humane in terms of its, like, characters and its events. But it still has the weird stuff in it, mm. which you're able to more easily accept because it's an animated film. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna make more Ninja Turtles films, make them like this. Make mm -hmm. them look really interesting. Have teenage characters. If the if their voices drop, write that into into the no, script. Yeah. Do they have? They, why don't you just like? How about this? You do like one more Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and then you make a Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. There you go. They don't have to be teenage for. They can, I would they love to see. Little, I would like. love to see one called Twenty Something Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh god, that would actually and, be funny. And they have like really disastrous relationships and <laughs> and they get like really into their jobs and they start losing sleep and they yeah. get addicted to caffeine mm -hmm. uh, they start spending uh, less time with each other scheduling becomes a nightmare the, the opening scene they're yeah. at the clinic oh shit i'm getting tested i'm really worried like, <laughs> oh, God. It's like, Jesus Christ. like all, all of like the trials of being in your mid-20s <laughs> 
I thought I'd be further along in my life than I was right oh, now. Oh, Jesus, that, 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 that's not the 20s. That never goes away. Once that starts kicking in around age 26, that's there forever. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, I would, I would bet a million dollars that even Seth Rogen, someone wow. who is us, who is just on his face very successful. He's a successful mm. producer. He's a successful actor. He has a successful weed business. Mm. He's a successful potter. Like literally, he makes, <laughs> he makes pots. Pottery, like yeah. not not just the, the the plant that you smoke, the actual pots, and he's good at it. I bet he feels like he should be further along in his life. Yeah, I seriously do. Um, anyway, I've I've actually really admired Seth Rogen as a producer. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's produced a lot of really interesting films that are tackling weirdly deep subject matter for comedies. Yeah, like he he uh, produced a film called An American Pickle. Which is um, kind of an absurd film about a, a fellow who like is frozen and wakes up in the pre- wakes yeah. up in the present. It's like culture clash comedy, a, a but movie it's actually I didn't think was actually funny. It's not very funny, no. but I think it's interesting that he made a comedy about Jewish identity. Yeah, it's true, and, and his own Jewish identity. Yeah, uh, I think I think the ideas are sound. Yeah. I just don't think it's funny. He made yeah. an, an unbearably crass movie called Sausage Party, yeah. uh, which is an animated film with a lot of foul language and sex talk about food objects. Mm-hmm. But it's also about atheism. Oh, it's one uh, of the most atheist movies yeah, ever. It's, it, it's about yeah, like yeah. these foods uh, worship humans as, as gods, and they realize the gods are eating them, so they have to kill God. <laughs> That's what the movie's about. Uh, you know, it's like tackling these weird political issues with yeah. films like The Interview, uh, and I feel like he's not reaching quite as far with the subject matter of Ninja Turtle. He's not saying something mm. really profound about adolescence. Uh, you watch Talk to Me, you'll get something richer and more textured. Uh, but he is clearly trying to push the animated medium forward. He chose a you know, really interesting director. Mm. Uh, Jeff Rowe is actually really like adding a lot of good timing and a lot of good acting and a lot of wonderful style into this mm. movie. So Seth Rogen is this weird weed head dude. Mm. Seems like a guy you just sort of hang out with and play Mario Kart with. Yeah. And he smokes a lot of weed. And he's incredibly and, productive. And he's incredibly productive. And yeah. he's really trying, in his way, yeah. to push some things forward in the aesthetic realm. So I yeah. kind of admire what he's doing. He's mostly doing, again, I don't like every single project he does, but mm-hmm. I actually think, he, he got, God knows he's got a work ethic. Yeah. That's from yeah. goddamn sure. Anyway. Um, all right, well, that's it for our movie reviews. It's time to do our review roundup. Uh, where we look back at everything we reviewed. And uh, we, we, because... Uh, it's it's yeah, because our actually our audience asked. Uh, we assigned it a letter grade, but we do it different <laughs> because we don't want you putting like an A plus from critically acclaimed on your poster. To hell with your poster. We're not we're not trying to get on no posters here. No, we just want you at home to know. Ultimately, if we had like a weird conversation about it, and it doesn't seem like you're clear about where we stand, we want you to be very very clear about where we stand. So we review films on a scale of C minus to C plus, where C is the baseline. That is abject mediocrity. Maybe one group of people will like it more than others, but basically it's just okay, I guess. C plus is above average. Those are movies we genuinely recommend. Maybe we just think they're very fun. Maybe we think they're one of the best movies ever made, but either way, those are absolute recommendations. C plus. And C minus is below average. Those are movies that we, generally speaking, do not recommend. And I think are genuinely pretty badly made. Mm-hmm. Whether they're just not good or, or completely terrible, they would fall under that umbrella. On that note, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem mm-hmm. Go! 
Uh, it's a C plus. Hmm. It's not a, a hugely enthusiastic C plus. I mean, mm-hmm. this one didn't blow my mind like like that that first Spider Verse movie or, right. or or the Mitchells versus Machines, which um, I, I also like quite a bit. It's wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, but I I love the kids and I love the, the their dynamic and I love the animation style. It's all all really great. Right. Uh, they cloned Tyrone. I am giving a big C plus. Uh, oh, yes. It is smart, incredibly smart. Uh, it is funny, incredibly funny, uh, and it has a lot on its mind, and it uses humor and science fiction, and just the general quality, like, a, just general quality filmmaking mm-hmm. to make all of those things come together in this just wonderful cavalcade of good, funny, thoughtful ideas, Uh I've seen like elements of this done before, but I've never seen it done this way. It's an excellent motion picture. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, it's it's strange and enthused about weird sci-fi ideas in a weird in a way that a lot of science fiction movies aren't interested in themselves yeah. in that way. They um, take themselves so seriously they're not in, they're not fun anymore. The, the idea yeah. that the, the filmmakers and the characters are trying to be cool enough that if they see something extraordinary they just have to say, "Oh, well that happened." No. Um the wonder is back. Yeah, the, yeah. The, and the horror as well. The, the wonder, the horror, the strangeness of it and being a little bit confused and off-put by these very bizarre conspiracies and it has a lot on its mind about you know social issues and racial identity. Uh yeah, there's a lot in this movie and I just I, Dug the whole thing. All right, so C plus from Wendy. Yeah. Uh, talk to me. Uh, also a C plus. Mm. Uh, like, like I said, there's a stretch at the end where it gets a little chaotic, but I think it gets a l- goes a long way with the texture of the relationships between the characters. Mm-hmm. Actually, bothering to establish these people as humans rather than mere grist for ghost violence, mm-hmm. uh, and the ghost violence is pretty creepy. Mm. There's a, a scene. Uh, there's some eye trauma in this oh, movie yeah. that's really Ooh. creepy. So yeah, yeah you get, get a little, uh, little bit of your your violence quotient as well. Yeah, uh, I'm giving it a C plus as well. I think um, I think you can be a good horror movie by simply showing people something scary. I think a, a great horror movie, one that's actually trying to get under your skin at any rate, because horror movies try to do a lot of different things. But if you're trying to get under your skin, you try to make people remember what something felt like. And I think talk to uh, talk to me's greatest strength is getting you to remember what it was like to worry about adolescent things and how mm. overwhelming they felt. And I think very few films about adolescents in any genre are quite as effective as talk to me is at that. And I think they spin that off into a very frightening film. So yeah, excellent film, C plus all the way. Uh, and then lastly. Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion. Oh, that's a big goose egg, man. That's a yeah. C minus. Yeah. It is shrill, unfunny, mm. confusingly edited. There's way too much talking. The plot yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. Some, the plot, the plot is. You can, you can like, you can run your fingers through it and maybe find some interesting moments or visuals mm. or, or fun ideas, but golly, they're not enough, not enough to carry this movie. Uh, for me, this is this is not a C-, but it is the textbook definition of mediocrity, right. unfortunately, in that there are a few good things in it. I think Lakeith Stanfield is really, really good. I think the production design is really, really good. And it's balanced out by the bad things, the incessant jokes that don't work, uh, again, plotting that just doesn't make sense if you think about it for one second. Uh, I think this feels like a movie where some people involved had interesting ideas and it feels like they just got shaved off 
gradually throughout the entire process until all that was left is something that's kind of watchable. And that's... Some would argue that that's a C minus. I would argue that that's the definition of mediocrity. Yeah, I, I would so, say if, if yeah. all you're seeing is the corporate mandate, mm-hmm. that's a C minus. Well, that's, but there's uh, a difference between. Listen, I, you, I agree with you that like having our art given to us by a corporate mandate mm. uh, is often a recipe for disaster. But just because it's created by a corporation doesn't mean that literally everything they create is. Of equal quality. I think they can create really, really terrible things, and they often do, and sometimes they create something that's really, really good. Mm. That can happen as well. And this is a situation where they made something that, honestly, isn't... It isn't bad enough to be noteworthy. I feel yeah. like this is ultimately just forgettable. I feel like this yeah. is something that, if this, if someone was like watching this on TV, you could watch 20 minutes and go... Yeah. Eh, and then move on with your day and never think about it again. But it's not making you go, this sucks. I'm mad. So, and and that's not a good thing to aim for. That's a shitty thing to aim for. But once you've achieved it, I do think that's the definition of a C. Yeah. So, right. anyway. Um, all right, that's it. That is it for Critically Acclaimed. We will be back next week uh, with a new film review movie podcast of films. I remember what's coming out this week. A <laughs> uh, Heart of Stone is coming out. Oh, with Gal Gadot. Yeah. Gal Gadot plays a uh, uh, spy named Rachel Stone. Oh, yes. No. Oh no. And her and her code name, the Heart. So um, to uh, to to quote a mutual critic friend of ours, Lon Harris, this is yeah. a red notice, isn't it? <laughs> There's a decent chance... I actually haven't seen it yet. Right. There's a decent chance we're looking at a red nose. Uh, but other things as well. I think there's a new video game movie called Gran Turismo. Oh, uh, it's coming out this it's week. It's a Neil Blomkamp movie. Right. Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, no one went <laughs> to see anything else. Remember when he was going to be the next thing? And that was then, a just, briefly And then it wasn't? Yeah. Remember when he was going to make another Alien picture? Yeah. He's going to make a sequel to Aliens, ignoring all the other movies? Yeah. And that kind of fell through. Remember that horror movie he did? That was like about like virtual reality. Yeah, it's called demonic. That was one of the worst movies. That of the was last really few years. terrible. Just, listen, I, and I and I I I want to call myself an apologist, but I liked Elysium and even Chappie more than most people. Well, Ch- Chappie is a weird movie. I like I, the weirdness I, in Chappie. I respect yeah. the weirdness of Chappie. I think Elysium is fine, uh, but uh, d- yeah, demonic is. <laughs> Woof! That is not a good film. Uh, so anyway, that's that's a thing too. We might review that if we uh, can. Indeed, that's what we do. We're critics. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to listen to this episode and all of our other regular episodes ad free, uh, our uh, Patreon is available. patreoncom slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, you can listen to our shows ad free. You can get advanced episodes of our new podcast. Thank Godzilla. It's Friday one week in advance. Uh, we have additional bonus shows. Uh, we're currently working on the next episode of only the best where we review every single film ever nominated for best picture. Uh, every week we have a new episode of uh, all our yesterdays, our star Trek podcast. We review every single episode of star Trek in order. Uh, we're about we're over halfway through Star Trek: The Next Generation, so there's a big old back catalog waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, we've got a new trivia night coming up later this week, uh, and uh, more fun stuff as well. So thank you to all of our patrons, without whom this show and none of our other shows could possibly exist. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, feel free to email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. 
we also have a P.O. Box, if you prefer to mail us the old-fashioned way. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us a physical letter to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yep, we're on, uh, we're on Twitter. I'm just going to call it that. Uh, at, it's, uh, it's at still critical called claim. Twitter. I mean, they're... Yeah. They're trying. They're just going to let it go. Um, that, that, that dumb guy in charge of things is trying to change the name. But Yeah. We're calling it Twitter. Uh, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim, and I'm on pretty much all social media, yeah. at William Dibiotti. Uh He's and, at uh, Whitney Seibold. Seibold, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And never forget, everyone's a critic. Guys, you get more treats, okay? okay. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?